Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend, Friday. With us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I don't know if it's just me. This week flew by. It did for me, too, although it was only a four-day week for me. Of course it flew by for you. You were golfing on Monday. You weren't here Monday. But this week, I can't believe we're at Friday already. It's phenomenal and great. And it's going to be a nice weekend here in St. Louis. The Cubs are in town. By the way... The Cubs come into town, Michelle, with a record of 26 and 44, third worst record in the National League. The Cardinals yes. tied for first in the NL Central. Is your preference that the Cardinals have a rivalry with a good Cub team, or do you prefer it when the Cubs suck? Well, I think we've just been conditioned for the Cubs to suck mm-hmm. because it just happens so often that that seems like normal for us. That's our where our barometer starts, I think. But even though in 2015 it didn't work out in the Cardinals' favor, that was so fun when the Cubs were a year ahead of schedule and mm-hmm. they had all of these young stars that came up and did great things that we in St. Louis grew to hate, the Chris Bryants of the world. I don't know if we necessarily ever hated Anthony Rizzo because he's such a nice and likable guy. guy. Yeah. But the Javi Baez, we hated the Cubs. And I think that is the basis of any good rivalry is pure hatred. And it's hard to, ha- it's hard to hate a hapless team. It's mm-hmm. hard to hate a group of people who describe themselves as lovable, lovable losers. So I would prefer for the Cubs to be good and for it to actually be a rivalry rather than a, sure, let's go up to Chicago and sit in the bleachers mm-hmm. and we'll high-five Cubs fans and complain about old style together. couple of quick points. Number one, has anybody fallen into irrelevance from major relevance faster than Chris Bryant? No. And you know what, Randy? It happened right after he called St. Louis born. Yep, it did. Now, Just here's saying. the other thing. The Cardinals, with 2015, they kind of started that Cubs dynasty. And then the Cardinals, when they start winning, they miss the playoffs, 16, 17, 18. And in 19, the Cardinals pretty much end the dynasty. Mm-hmm. Joe Madden leaves, and uh, the Cardinals beat them to win the division yeah, title. Yeah, I was here in St. Louis. Yeah. I was at his, his he-got-fired press conference at Bush right. Stadium. Yeah, so the Cardinals were at both ends of that the Cubs dynasty, which was kind of reminiscent to the Yankees of the 50s, right, wouldn't you say? I mean, Ooh. when you look at the history books... They only got one, Randy. Only one what? World Series. No, Michelle, they won like six. No, 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 just that one. Remember Jason Hayward, the speech, Randallay? Michelle, I have have Cub fan friends, and they've won at least six. Maybe, okay, maybe only five. No, no. It was a dynasty. Megamind, it's been one. Darn it. I hope that's not in the fight today. Or actually, I hope it is, because now you know. (laughs) 
via radio. <laughs> so only anyway, one, only one. We want to hear from you, and you can use your Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, which you have to download so that we win the contest. And you can win $1,000 by downloading the 101 ESPN app. Or a Traeger. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Or a Rolling Yeti cooler. Yep, or a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey. I would take any of those things. I would too. So you can win all of those things when you download the 101 ESPN app. And then the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is right there on the front. It's, it's super easy to use. So you can leave us a mic drop. Do you like it better when the Cubs are successful and it's a real rivalry among winning teams? Or do you like it better when they suck? It's a good question of the day. Well, I gave my answer. What's your answer? I kind of... I, I like it better when they suck. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because there is nothing... And Michelle, we're going to get to this at the at the conclusion of this segment. We're going to talk about the Cardinals. There is nothing like the angst of Cubs fans when they lose a game or in a season that they thought that they were going to win. That is so true. And I think I still stand by this. I've always said this. One of the worst things to happen to baseball and sports in general is the Cubs winning the World Series. Because that drought and that curse and that fan base so desperately wanting a championship was one of the best storylines in sports. And after you had the Red Sox break the curse, will the Cubs do it was one of the things that everybody in the sports world was paying attention to and everybody cared about. And after they won, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Right. It it just was, uh, yeah, uh, now what? That's what it was. It was now what? And uh, the world didn't end. So, yeah, we'll... uh, We'll hear the the essence of that angst, but we do need to get to the Cardinals yesterday. They lost to the Brewers by a score of six to four. Things looking good, Michelle, early on when with Nolan Gorman on the plate, Paul Goldschmidt stepped in. And the one-one pitch. Goldie, a base hit down the left field line and into the corner. Nolan Gorman is second on his way to third. Pop Warner says, let's go. Let's test him. Relay to the plate. The throw is not in time. It gets away. Goldie to third. They throw it away again. And Goldie will score. It's like a little league home run. And it's two to nothing, St. Louis. And things are looking so good there. And uh, I I was thinking, okay, well, the Brewers are the Pirates now. And the Cardinals are going to walk away from this thing. I was thinking, okay, here's a a great opportunity for the Cardinals to take three or four in the series. However, things didn't work out that way. Dakota Hudson had a bad outing. He was uh, really inefficient. He went four and a third innings through 88 pitches. He uh, threw 53 strikes. He walked three and struck out two. And after that, Goldschmidt Little League home run. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Telez with a ground out to second to score a run in the first, then in the fourth. Tyrone Taylor with a three-run homer to make it 4-2, and the Brewers were never headed in the game. And the Cardinals, again, failed to really kind of put the hammer down on the Brewers. Here's manager Ali Marmol. Yeah, we obviously want to close out the series. The guys played well. We had some really good at-bats, some balls driven, a couple Nice plays by McCutcheon, uh, where that game changes a little bit. Nice at bat there against Hader for Albert. Um, almost sneaks it over his head there, but uh, overall we competed well. Uh, offense did a nice job. And oh, by the way, if you play the Brewers, you better not be behind after the seventh because Williams and Hader are going to shut you down. Big time, no chance. They're no. just throwing gas all the time. Also, notice how Ali said the offense did a good job. We're not talking about St. Louis letting Milwaukee load the bases, not just in the third, mm-hmm. but also in the fourth. 
and also in the eighth. Yeah, you have to be more efficient. And by the way, this is the reason that Dakota Hudson, when he was drafted, people weren't saying, okay, he's a front of the rotation guy. He's a one or a two. That inconsistency and inefficiency is what will render him to being at best probably a three, but more likely a four or a five at the major league level. Really good pitcher. It's hard to pitch at the major league level and stick around and be in a starting rotation. He'll do that, but that lack of efficiency is what's going to hold him back. And not everybody can be an ace, right? You need no. you need guys that are going to round out your rotation, but I just expected more from him, especially from an innings mm-hmm. perspective. I expected him to go deeper into the game. The Cardinals needed him to go deeper into the game. Once we see him go seven, three mm-hmm. times in a row, it kind of becomes the norm and you expect it regardless of how inefficient he is. Did you learn anything about the Brewers after this four-game set? Not really. No, I, I do know that Corbin Burns is still a stud. Huge stud. I, I don't, and we knew Travis Taylor is a Cardinal killer, or Tyrone Taylor is a, is a Cardinal killer. Yeah, we killer. better know his name by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, what about you? I look at this series, and game one, I did not expect the Cardinals to win. Corbin Burns, as we mentioned, is lights out, even though Miles Michaelis went pitch for pitch with him Mm -hmm. and and had a great outing. But I did not expect the Cardinals to win that game. I expected them to be better in this third game. And I think overall, I left this series feeling like the Cardinals are the better team. However, this is not a complete Milwaukee Brewers team. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a complete St. Louis Cardinals team either, if you think about it. So even though I feel a little bit better about the Cardinals in the division race, even though they split the series, I also am looking at it as these two teams are going to continue to evolve. And the version of both of these teams, especially when we get to the second half, is not going to be the same. And Michelle, we did see our big guys produce. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich can't play anymore. No, he is not the same guy. No, can't, can't throw. He can still run, but he can't hit for power. He's just not the same guy, and I wonder if he ever will be the same guy. Which is why I also feel confident in the Cardinals, because even though the Brewers have the superior pitching, I don't have any, outside of Tyrone Taylor, if you can contain him, he's kind of like the big poppy. (laughs) If the Cardinals are looking at the Brewers, don't let that guy beat you. I think the Cardinals have, have a good shot. Michelle, a couple of other notes for you. Number one, the Yankees win last night. Aaron Judge, who has his arbitration hearing today with the game-winning hit for a 7-6 win over the Astros last night at Yankee Stadium. And I I was telling Matthew this earlier. Can you imagine now, you're the Yankees, and you have to walk into this arbitration hearing knowing that the arbitrator saw the exact same thing you did walking to the offices of the attorneys. They saw all of those back pages of all of those tabloids with Aaron Judge with a game-winning hit. Uh, the New York Post today says Money Man. Yep. And you've been reading about him all year long. If you're the Yankees, how do you not just give the guy what he wants today? I would absolutely just show up with the checkbook. Mm-hmm. You're the Yankees. He's the star. Give him the money. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Randy Levine, president of the Yankees, pro tip, know the guy's name. Yeah, that would know be step number name. one. I would Don't think. call him A.A. Ron. All right? Just go with Aaron. Remember Dylan uh, Batanzas? He called him Dylan for the whole. Yeah, not and great. Then the relationship was never the same. And then last night, uh, Pancho Villa was the uh, was the number one pick in the uh, NBA draft by the Orlando Magic. What, Randy? Oh no, Paolo Banchero. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's right. There was some respect on that name. Number one overall pick. Yeah. Shout out to the Magic. He wasn't going to be the number one pick, but then he was. Kinda, he was. It's it's weird. Matthew, tell us about the odds last night. Matthew, uh, he, wow, falling off his chair. Matthew's got his 
Uh, he's got his FanDuel uh, sports. He's ready to bet last night on the number one. Yeah, well, I, I said the odds Come in, in my last Sports Center update because they had shifted in the middle of the night, um, and Jabonchero had moved to be the favorite at minus 170. But then randomly, a couple hours after my update, they took the bo- bets off the board for five hours, and when they reappeared on the board, Jabari Smith was minus 10,000 to go number one overall, which means the Magic just lied to someone and told them that they were taking Jabari Smith, and then they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, they literally had a 10,000, and then like 20 minutes before the pick went in, Bam, odds changed again. Bonchero's minus 155, I think, to go first overall. So, I mean, it was when you watch Vegas for these trends, it can tell you a lot, but sometimes it's changing so fast, it, it, it kind of tells you how the, the information's getting moved around. I honestly was blown away that it was Bonchero. It was amazing. But so were some of the suits. What do you think about Paolo's suit? I wish I had one. Really? That surprises me that you li- that you liked it. It's the chain was on point too. Yeah, well, you know me. I, Randy loves a chain. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, one other thing, and you have to hear this because this is the essence of Cubs angst. Okay, so um, I, I sent Matthew this this cut. Uh, this fr- is from 1998. Cubs chasing a playoff spot. Tammy Sosa wins the MVP that year. He's in the home run chase with. Mark McGuire okay. and the Cubs yeah. late season September game Ron Santo and the late great Ron Santo on the call and here is what happened as the Cubs tried to win a game I think against the Brewers 7 to 5 Cubs bottom of the ninth two down the Brewers have the bases loaded and a 2-2 count on the hitter here's the pitch swung on fly ball left field Brant Brown going back See the guy getting murdered in the background? It doesn't get it. Oh, no. <laughs> and don't you miss that? Yes. This is why I think it was so bad for sports that the Cubs won. And and you know what? I understand how cruel that is of me to say as a long-suffering <laughs> Blues fan who yeah, felt right. such unbridled joy when the, the Blues hoisted the cup. I love that for all of my... I went to Illinois. All my friends are Cubs fans. I love that for my friends. I hate it for sports because that is great for sports. That was fantastic. Just that... That, that person is so despondent. Yeah. And you need that Ronnie, in sports. Ronnie, can we hear that one more time? Because you just need so a factory fun. of sadness in right, sports. Right, that's exactly what Wrigley Field was. But people enjoyed being sad at Wrigley Field. The old men that would sit out in the bleachers—they loved being sad. They, they drank old style for crying out loud. Yeah. They loved to hurt themselves. Yeah. They're masochists. Right. We, we got to hear it one more time, just because of the the drama. Seven to five Cubs, bottom of the ninth. Two down, the Brewers have the bases loaded and a 2-2 count on the hitter. Here's the pitch. Swung on, fly ball, left field. Brant Brown going back. Brant Brown drops the ball. He drops the ball. Three runs will score. And the Brewers have beaten the Cubs. And that's why you always listen to the local broadcast. Yeah, too. right, right. <laughs> so we, we want to hear from you, and we'll be playing these throughout the day. Do you prefer when the Cubs suck or when the Cubs are good? What makes the rivalry better for you? In your mind, no judgment zone. We've got differing opinions here. So 
we, everybody's going to have an opinion about this. And send us a mic drop. We want to hear your voice on this yeah, one. Absolutely. Mic drop uh, with the Rhino Shield. Mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Peak and Pit. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And we'll have that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. It is time now for Peak and Pit here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy, great to have you with us as we head towards the weekend. And we want to know what your peak of the week, what your pit of the week was. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, do you have a peak and pit? My peak of the week was our conversation with Adam Wainwright. We spoke to him on Tuesday. It aired on Wednesday. But I love when we get a story out of someone that is really transformational. And it's interesting that it came from Adam Wainwright because we speak to him weekly and we've done so for years. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like at this point we know everything there is to know about him. And to think that there was such a pivotal pivotal moment in his life and his career that we didn't know about, that we extracted from him and that St. Louis got to hear and really enjoy was the peak of the week. I've heard from so many people, Randy, that really, really loved that interview. And what interested me, in addition to the story, is that he said, I've never told you this story. Yeah. It's interesting because I'd never heard that story, never read about it anywhere. So who has he told it to? Who know who knew this besides Adam's family before we did? And he, he said, didn't we talk about this last week? I go, no. no. What are you talking about? <laughs> we did talk about, he mentioned it being one of the turning points of his life when he was sent down yes. during the 05 playoffs, but he didn't tell the story. Yeah, he alluded to it yeah. a couple times, but we didn't get the expanded version. But I think there's a, a lot of people that went back and listened on the podcast because we had hyped right. it up so much. And thank you to everyone who sent such great feedback on the interview. But that was definitely was the fun. peak of the week. It was really cool to hear about that moment. And that's a life lesson that we can all learn from. That if you really want something badly enough and you truly commit yourself to it, you can get it done. And I'm so happy that Adam Wainwright did. I'm happy he had that moment in the boat, Randy. Me too, absolutely. (laughs) Turned out well for us. And my pit is that I have had a tight hamstring all week long. Yeah, you have. I've had the Theragun in here during commercial breaks. I'm I'm working the Theragun. I've been in pain. This hamstring has been barking all week long, and it's a pit. Well, you know what, Michelle? My expectation is that you're going to be like Steven Jackson, and on Sunday you're going to be running just fine. Well, I don't have a hyperbaric chamber or a massage therapist for free on call. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and think that I'll be like SJ39 and be a gamer on Sunday. SJ39 was by the franchise in terms of just on field. He was abused by the Rams, right? He was. They allowed him to be hurt. He he carried the load. And he would have a quad injury or a hamstring or an ankle or something like that. And we'd be sitting down at our table on the field. And pretty much every home Sunday, when SJ39 came by, we'd I, I would go thumbs up or thumbs down. And he usually gave us a thumbs up. Sometimes yeah. he'd say, no, can't go. And give us a thumbs down. But, man, he... 
he did a lot with bad hamstrings. Yesterday, we did an entire segment talking about the toughest thing that we've ever seen mm-hmm. in sports. Stephen Jackson continuing to give his all for the absolutely horrible St. Louis Rams is one of the toughest yeah, things I've seen in definitely sports. Definitely was. That guy dedicated his body to a, a purposely losing cause, and right. he deserved so much better. Like post 2004, is Stephen Jackson getting hurt in that Eagles game? Top Cowboy, five, Cowboys top, game. No, I'm saying that first, oh. that first game of the season where he ripped off that long run and pulls his hammy and gets hurt in that Eagles game, first game of the season, and just he, he was right after he exploded for like 1,800 total yards. One of the top five saddest moments of those last like 10 years of the Rams. That was bad. It was, but God, it was heartbreaking. Jim Hazlitt's first game against the Cowboys, they leave him in. They're up like 34 to oh, 10 yeah. in the fourth quarter. Leave him in, and that's when he pulled the quad. And I think they went to New Orleans the next week, and everybody on that team says, if we have SJ, we win that game. Or not, not New Orleans, New England. And they would have beaten New England in 08 because they lost Brady. Oh, and yeah. the team would have been completely different, but they lose SJ 39 because Hazlitt left him in the game too long. Ugh, such so, a shame. Michelle, my peak of the week was seeing the response of the St. Louis and the sports community to the Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation golf tournament a couple of days ago at Forest Park. And... Seeing Eli Drinkwitz and Dennis Gates and Travis Ford and Brian Jordan come into town and so many people from the the sports industry and the general St. Louis populace support what is an incredible endeavor. That was my my peak of the week. And my pit of the week is that I expected so much more from Jack Flaherty, and I hope he's not hurt. I hope he's just coming back from injury. But my, my pit of the week was his performance. I don't know whether to hope that it's... A lingering pain or something that might go away or that it's mental because the the mental side of things is not something that's mm-hmm. super easy to overcome either both things are difficult hills and difficult battles to undo but I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm hoping that by the third time around, whatever kinks mechanically might be there, whatever nerves might still exist. Hopefully, he's flushed all that out. Alarming is my word for it. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. All right, let's get to a few texts. Greg Amzinger coming up at the bottom of the hour, but um, Matthew, let's go to the text line. Peak, I've got a first date tonight with someone. Ooh, all Ooh, right. Peak. Yeah. I'm a truck driver, and my truck was broken down on Tuesday for over six hours. Ooh, oh, man, that is a pit. That's terrible. That, that is That, that affects everything. It's frustrating from a lifestyle standpoint because you lose six hours. From a job standpoint, you can't get your job done. It's just a hassle when your vehicle breaks down when you're counting on it. Yes. Or when you're not counting on it. Peak, my wife got me tickets to the ball game on the 29th for my birthday. Yay! Pitt, look at the opposing pitcher. I checked, it's Sandy Alcantara. Um, what would be wrong with seeing him pitch? I would love to see him pitch. Back in the day, people used to buy tickets to watch pitchers pitch. I'll never forget the night that Fernando Valenzuela came into town as a rookie during Fernando Mania, and they had 55000 at the old ballpark. It was incredible. Didn't it was great. People would pay to, you know, Tom Seaver would come in with the Mets and the Cardinals. Cardinals were bad, Mets were bad, but they'd sell out because Seaver was pitching. Is that, the, is that when he threw the no-hitter? No, he threw his no-hitter in L.A. 10 oh, okay. years later. No, he was a rookie in 81. Oh, it was yeah. called Fernando Mania. Yeah, one hasn't been actually thrown in motion. Yeah. And the Cardinals forever. were playing ABBA. There was something in the air that night. The sky was bright. Fernando. So the Cardinals are playing this over their PA system when Fernando comes to town. It was If, if you just Google Fernando Mania, it was unbelievable. Sounds and fun. You, you guys are too young. It was very cool. Not a lot of songs with the word liberty in it. Peak, my daughter's 7- and 8-year-old softball team got second last weekend. Pitt, Saturday they played at 8 a.m., 12, 2, 4, and on Sunday they played at 11, 1, and oh. 3. God wow. bless your parents. Yeah, man. I can't imagine 
working all week, running the errands, taking care of the kids, making the dinners, and then the two days that I don't have to work, I have to sit outside and watch. I mean, I know you love your kids, but terrible softball. I know you, you're pumped for your kids, but come on, this is not riveting and entertaining competition. Michelle, the you're level, sitting there in the heat yeah. watching young kids swing and probably strike out a lot. Level of organization for youth sports is unbelievable. And every friend that I have that has younger kids now, we, Danny Mac talks about it all the time, right? When he's home, he's always dri- he and Libby are always driving kids to games. It's unreal. It is, but that's why parents are the best because they love their kids so much and they want to support their kids and spend their time with their kids and make sure their kids are participating in activities. So they give up their only free time to be there. Some parents think that their kids are going to be the one and a half percent of kids that wind up in pro sports. I think a lot of parents think that, no, from what I I, gather. I would say that... uh, Probably more than 80% think that their kids are going to be in that one and a half percent. You know, you're a parent, Randy. What happens? When do you decide that your kid is special and that your kid is gifted and that your kid, despite all the odds, is going to be a pro? Is it when they're younger? Is it just, you know, they say love is blind. Are you just, you're so in love with your kid, you're blind. I don't get it. Think about it. it. Think about the dads that we talked to last week. Rick Carpenter knew when his kid was two. You, you, He's also a baseball coach who knows exactly, talent. Exactly. <laughs> so is Tom Holiday. And so is so Matt is Holliday. Brian O'Reilly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just different. And yeah, there's. I, I think the dream is really hard for some parents. Probably more difficult for parents to give up on than kids. Because it's the parents' dream, not the kids' exactly, dream. Exactly right. Also, by the way, take that one point five percent. We saw the last couple NBA drafts, the last couple MLB drafts, and the next couple MLB drafts. NFL and the NHL has been like that for the last couple of years as well. That 1.5%, are either of you professional athletes? Look at your husband, look at you, look at your wife, look at you. Are either of you professional athletes? Cut that 1.5% down to like 1% because every third player getting drafted now has a parent who played pro or high-level college sports. It's ridiculous. Michelle, I'm assuming that Michael Jordan's son was never the best player at the University of Illinois. He was not. But shout out to MJ for coming to the games all the time. That's that cool. was a thrill yeah, for, for a bunch of Illinois kids, let me tell I'll, you. I'll bet. Thank you, Matthew. Coming up next, we're going to talk Aaron Judge and more with our friend Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. He's come, by the way, he was at a sporting event yesterday for his kid. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And the question of the day, you can use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is, do you prefer it more when the Cubs are good and they are a rival with the Cardinals or when they suck? What do you like better? Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, noted Cardinal fan, product of St. Louis and the Lindenwood University, joins us here on 101 ESPN on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Uh, good morning. It's easy, man. The rivalry is better. How you answer the other way. Hold on, you you broke up a little bit. What's the answer there? All right. When the Cubs are good, it is a better rivalry. I don't know how we all we all have to agree on this. It's it's more entertaining, is it not? Well, I, I kind of I, I love the angst of Cub fans, Greg, and the, that's part of what makes the rivalry is the fans. And I love the fact that e- before and it, everything changed when they won, right? Everything did, but before they had won, when they would get close, when you, you had the Bartman game, when you had Bram Brown dropping the ball, when you had the curse of the Billy Goat, it was so much fun to watch them. 
It's so much fun to watch people in agony, is what you're saying. That, you, well, is them, that, that's them. exactly what you're saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they're the lovable losers. I don't think. I think they care about it in the moment, and then they're back partying the bleachers with their shirts off. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's surface level baseball to Cub fans, whereas Cardinal fans, we go home and we don't talk to our spouse, and we tell the kids to take the trash out, and we're grumpy for a week. It's it, it deep rooted in us. For them, it's surface level. Let's move on to the next minute. We're we're messed up for a week. You're so right about that, Greg, because it's Friday and there's so many people in St. Louis who are still stressed out over Jack Flaherty's most recent outing. Where are you when it comes to concern in regards to Jack Flaherty? I'm concerned anytime your ace isn't 100% healthy, uh, uh, you have to be. I still don't think this is a team that needs to give up young talent to acquire a Frankie Monacoff type, who looked great, by the way, yesterday. He did. He went 100 miles an hour, floating with a no-hitter. Uh, it'll, it'll really depend on the way they evaluate him in the next two weeks. I, I think I think Jack Flaherty is a must for the Cardinals to go as far as they want to go. I don't think they can win the World Series without Jack Flaherty. I, don't, I think it's too early to panic right now. But, look, this is the time of year we're cautious – uh, uh, approaches to guys like this is the way to go. And and, and just backing off, what we saw, I mean, I know he's not a pitcher, but Ty France is going to miss some time with a really difficult tag play at first base. He's so important to the Mariners who aren't even in the mix. They're going to be very cautious with him. He doesn't think it's serious. Manny Machado, ankle injury. They're not rushing him back. This is the time of year where your key player, let him heal, man. Let him heal Make sure they're 100% come all-star break, reassess, and that's what they'll do. I just don't think it's time to hit the buy now button that a lot of teams are considering pushing. I want to ask you about a, a buy later. I want to ask you about a buy deadline guy that would allow the Cardinals to move Polante back into the pen and would just be a fit in this culture. His name is Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> that's a really good one. I, I, I've thrown this out there many times, and I still believe it's going to happen. I think Madison Bumgarner goes back to the San Francisco Giants. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they need a starter. Look at the guys that are taking up innings right now. I mean, Alex Woods got an ERA over five. Um, Jim, Jacob Junis is getting starts, and he isn't getting many people out. They've got a top three in that starting rotation. They clearly need some depth. I, I, I think Madison Bumgarner going back. We know Giants fans love the guys that were part of those three World Series championships. Brandon Crawford got a two-year deal in his mid-30s play shortstop. They cried when Buster Posey hung it up. I've been saying Mad Bum to the Giants again uh, would make more sense. No one wanted to see him go. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, Cardinal fans would love Mad Bum. I, I mean, they would. He's a super intense guy. He's kind of a grumpier version of John Lackey. And, <laughs> and, and he's still effective, I, I, I don't know if he provides the swing and miss that it, you're not replacing Jack Flaherty with no, anyone no. who's available, but you, you would want a guy that can get strikeouts, even in a starting pitching you know, option. So uh, if you're going to go that way, you know, uh, I still think a Castillo from the Reds, Frankie Montas, you need guys who got swing and miss. I, the other guy from the Reds I love, and his ERA is high, but he's got better stuff than Castillo, in my opinion, is Tyler Malley, mm-hmm. who's his teammate. I think he's got a big arm. He's only pitched 
for the Cincinnati Reds. There are swing and miss options, which I really tend to lean on. No one is trying to get Zach Greinke in his 4.3K per nine. That doesn't help you in the month of September. So I like the idea. I really do. But uh, I just don't know if he's the fit for the Cardinals. Well, Greg, we can't talk about baseball and not talk about the New York Yankees. Wow. I mean, Aaron Judge walks it off last night versus the Astros. They're 52-18. and 18. Is this the best Yankees team you've ever seen? Uh, right now, yeah, it is. Uh, last 80 years for a team to be 52-18, and 18, you have to go back to the 0-1 Mariners. I mean, that's a pretty special team, right? Uh, won all those games. I've never in my life, you know, grabbed a cup of coffee in the morning and was bummed because I can't watch an arbitration hearing. <laughs> um, I, I really wish I could watch the Yankees put together a case on why Aaron Judge doesn't deserve any money. I, it's so unbelievable to me how they just uh, put Nipcom all over this relationship. Uh, there's no way is Aaron Judge coming back, and he's continuously making this difficult for Brian Cashman and ownership to let him leave. For him to walk up last night, he's on pace for 63 homers, over 120. 20 RBIs. I put a list together last night after the Yankee game, which we aired on our network, that this is the best walkier performance on pace to be the best walkier performance that I've ever seen. I throw the A-Rod steroid walkiers out and Barry Bonds in 92 because Bonds just defines me. All steroids. But, you know, you got to go back to Carlos Beltran when he got uh, into the postseason with the Astros after he was traded from the Royals, how great that was. And then you can shoot up my list. You know, Jim Tomey at 52 home runs. Uh, in the early 2000s in a walk year to land him a big contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Greinke had a 1.66 ERA and went 19-3, and did not win the NL Cy Young with the Dodgers. Jake Garrietta did instead, and he was number two. The best one I had seen uh, in my time loving baseball was Adrian Beltre with yeah. the Dodgers when he had three, almost 340 with a 390 on base. It's still not coming close to what we're witnessing with Aaron Judge. He's playing center field at six foot seven. He's playing every day, and they've got a record right now. Can I remind you, this 52 and 18 season started with a seven win and six loss beginning. The first two weeks of the year, they were seven and six. Since then, they've been a really good SEC college baseball team. <laughs> they beat up on everybody. So I think this is the best team in baseball. They're steamrolling to a date in October and early November for the World Series. And Aaron Judge bet on himself, and he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Greg, the highest AAV for position players, Mike Trout, at about 35-7. Does Judge blow that out of the water? For example, if the Yankees would come to him this morning on the steps of the arbitrator's office and say, look, we'll give you $36 million a year for eight years, 288 over eight. Does Judge take that, or does he think he can blow 35-7 out of the water? No, he, he, he's not signing anything unless it starts in the three, and that's not AAV. He wants a collective lump sum contract over $300 million. He's been watching all these shortstops who are not Aaron Judge get 300-plus. There's a shortstop in, in Flushing, Queens right now that is a good player, but he's not a superstar anymore the way we used to view him that way. Francisco Lindor is worth over $300 million, and Aaron Judge is like, wait, I don't care how old I am. And he makes a good point because Aaron Judge, he's had some fluky injuries. Uh, it's not a Byron Buxton-esque kind of body. This guy is going to age well, folks. He is. He's that, he's that classic Yankee. 
where Derek Jeter had the same waistline when he was 21 as when he was 39. Mariano Rivera, the same way. This is a guy that, that power ages well. Not base running, not, not the outfield defense, the stuff that Jason Hayward was able to cash in on. This is a guy that's going to hit 50 homers five more times in his career. And he's going to do it with ease because he doesn't need to swing that hard. Because he's 6'7", he's built like RoboCop. This is easy power. Sign him. The fact that Brian Cashman had that press conference and just threw it all out there and said, hey, we gave him a record contract for a guy over the age of 30. He turned it down. We'll see where this goes. Aaron Judge doesn't want to say that it ruined the relationship and arbitration hearing when he's playing like this. He wants to tune in. He's going to give him a Zoom link. He's going to watch. It's going to aggravate him even more. <laughs> I've been saying this for forever, and finally ESPN on ESPN.com put him in two uniforms, Red Sox and Mets. If he doesn't sign with the New York Mets next year, it's because he took the second most lucrative offer. Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, wants to steal the modern-day Derek Jeter away from the Yankees. He's going to offer him more money than any other team, and it'll be a tough decision for Aaron Judge to make. Do I think he eventually goes out west? I do. I would probably, if I was a betting man, say the San Francisco Giants eventually land Aaron Judge. But, man, he's going to turn down a lot of money because the New York Mets – will be the team that offers more than anyone else. His days with the Yankees are numbered. The Yankees could win mm. the World Series. Aaron Judge could be the MVP. He will not be wearing pinstripes in 2023, wow. book it. Wow, Greg. Well, last thing I wanted to ask you about is Shohei Otani. He continues to be an absolute marvel. He has two home runs and eight RBI one day, and then the next day he turns around and has 13 strikeouts. It is just unbelievable to watch this guy play baseball. I know we used to have a serious man crush on Shohei Otani, but like everything, thanks to TikTok, if you haven't done anything incredible in like eight minutes, we're moving on to the next thing. No joke. I, I got I got sick the other day in the studio, and uh, this is probably three weeks ago. My stomach flipped. I got the 24-hour flu, and I Dan, we're covered with video. It's just me and Dan Plesak. I look at, at Dan, and I go, keep talking like with my hand, making that gesture. I get up. I take a trash can with me off the set. I go into the hallway, and I vomit. Wow. And then I thought to myself, yeah, this is true. Dan had to do the rest of the show. And then they brought in Tom Verducci. He was doing Apple TV, and they did it together for like the last hour. It was hilarious to watch Dan struggle. But anyway, <laughs> my point is, my point is, I seriously contemplated while I was sitting on the set. Man, this would really help the network. We would go viral. Maybe I should wait till I'm on camera to vomit on the set. And then I realized, and then I realized how dumb media has become. And sometimes, as I parlay this back into the show, Yotani topic, so can't wait to see how it connects. Yes, yes, we we are now numb to greatness because it's consistently great. We want the next flashy object because we're basically pouty children in an Applebee's restaurant. And now you just got to give me a different device with a different video that's going to make me shut up and be be happy and quiet. What has happened to all of us? Shohei Otani is unbelievable. This is one of the greatest athletes of all of our lifetimes. But yet we have AL MVP conversations, and it's Judge, it's Jose Ramirez, and maybe it's Shane McClanahan, a starting pitcher for the race. What? This dude is always, by doing what he's doing, he will always be a finalist for AL MVP. He is the ace of one of the 30 teams in baseball, and he's one of the top two hitters on his team. If he keeps doing that, he's automatically a finalist 
for AL MVP. We've just lost our, our love for him because we need a new flashy moment like me vomiting on live television. It's a flashy moment. I'd have been all over the scene, man. I, yeah. I'd be on WFAN in New York, KNBR in San Francisco. The next day, I'd, I'd, be, a, I'd be booked up. Who knows, man? I mean, I, I'd be on the big shows. Nick Cannon's TV show, is that still on? He'd want me on because of me vomiting all over a set. <laughs> he definitely would, Greg. Uh, we do a segment called Take It or Leave It. It's actually coming up next segment. So I'm going to give you an early Take It or Leave It, Greg, before we let you go. Take It or Leave It. If Shohei Otani played on the East Coast, we'd be talking about him more. Oh, yeah. Take that to the bank. And that matter of fact, I think Shohei Otani eventually will because <laughs> Shohei Otani is going to go to a big market that has fans wide awake all over the country. Mm-hmm. And when he's playing for the Yankees, this, I've been saying this for a while, I believe the New York Yankees are letting Aaron Judge go because they've got their sights set on two players. Two. And they need to make sure there's room in the bank for both. And that's Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. Those two players can't avoid playing for the New York Yankees. That, to me, is inevitable. Like Nolan Arenado eventually playing for the Cardinals, it's Shohei Otani, a Yankee, and Juan Soto, a Yankee. So, yes, we will eventually get a chance to see boring injury. Shohei Otani with a megaphone every time he goes to the mound and a gigantic platform every time he steps up to the plate. Could you imagine Shohei in that short porch in right field stadium? Come on. Come on. People will forget. They'll forget Aaron Judge ever played for the Yankees. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's set in stone. Otani will be on the East Coast. Hey, Greg, before we let you go, we don't urge you to do or listen to much. Our interview with Adam Wainwright on Wednesday was epic. So if you get a chance to go to 101ESPN.com or have the app, check out our interview with Adam Wainwright and the story he tells in the second segment. It's it's epic and unbelievable, and you learn so much about the guy. I know you love him already, but you'll love him even more after you hear that interview. You have done a million interviews in your career. I have never heard you promote an interview you did a while back. This must be good. I mean, you've had some good ones. I remember sitting as a producer and sitting on the other side of the glass and an epic Randy character interview. We go to break and I'm like, I, I hit the button. I go, man, that was great. And you're like, yeah, it was good. And you move on to the next thing. You, you, it takes a lot for Randy character to think an interview was great. Did Adam, Adam Wainwright didn't vomit on the air no, live. Did no. he, he did, he didn't do anything like that. Okay, wow, I got to tune in. This is going to be good. I'll make sure I listen. It's a, it's a great example. It's a great illustration as to why he is what he is right now. And that's why everybody is going to court him when he hangs up. But yep. I, I got a theory. I don't think he's hanging it up. I think he knows he's one more year like this one away from Cooperstown. I really think he knows that. And I don't think this is his swan song, believe it or not. I don't think it is either. I, I think that's why other teams, they honor Yachty. And they, uh, as a matter of fact, the All-Star game. Michelle was saying yesterday they should honor Yachty and Wayno and Albert. I said, I'm not sure I'm not sure that uh, Wayno's leaving. I, I get honoring I, Albert and Wayno yeah. at the All-Star game. I agree. I think, I think Adam Wainwright realizes, you know, legacy matters. This is a guy that lo- truly loves the game. I see him coming back for another year. If he throws a low three ERA at the age of 41, on the card, and his baseball reference has that, I'm sorry, in one uniform, all in one uniform, you're looking at a Hall of Fame pitcher. He is one full season after this one away from Cooperstown, and that stuff matters, folks. It does. Greg, you're the best. Your son hit it well yesterday, we understand. Yes, he did. He played really well. Uh, It kind of fizzled towards the end. 
so he didn't win the competition. But, man, I was proud of him. First real PGA junior event. And, I mean, he's so much better than his old man. It's not even funny. It's, it's hilarious how good he is and how bad I am. People, if you saw my swing and you saw my sons, you'd be like, where did he get that from? And I just pointed at his mom. She's the athlete in the family. <laughs> if he ever fizzles down the stretch again, just say, welcome to Uncle Randy's world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're talking like triple bogeys on like two of the last four holes. I, I don't even know if Uncle Randy has fizzled like that. But when you're 12 and you really want a snack and your dad didn't pack you goldfish, you have a built-in excuse. A you problem. have a built-in excuse. <laughs> have, have a great weekend, my man. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the best. Take care. See ya. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. He's fantastic. I would love to see Shohei Otani and Juan Soto play for the New Can York Yankees. Can you imagine? As just a baseball fan, mm-hmm. I want Shohei Otani on the biggest stage. And if he's playing with Juan Soto, they're going to be a good team. And I want him to get in the postseason and have a chance at winning. If you want to bring Commissioner Manfred, you want to bring baseball back, it's a good way to start by having those two on the Yankees. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We've got a quick take it or leave it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew. And it's time for Take It or Leave It. Michelle... We know that Kyrie Irving forced his way out of Cleveland, got to Boston, told the Celtics he was going to re-sign there, wound up going to Brooklyn instead, Mm -hmm. and now apparently is not going to opt in on the last year of his contract if, indeed, the Nets can find a trade partner. And Kyrie reportedly has given the Nets a list of six teams that he would be willing to go to. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Mavericks, and the Sixers. So Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavs, and Sixers. Take it or leave it. Kyrie is on one of those teams next year. I'll take it. You know what I think is an interesting name on that list is the Heat. Yeah. Because it's Jimmy Butler's team, and Jimmy Butler is an alpha. Mm. And I don't think that Jimmy Butler, he doesn't take it easy on anybody. And they are a piece away. I could see them moving some things around to maybe get Kyrie. The thing that would shock me is if Pat Riley would want to have anything to do with him. Because Pat Riley got once guys that compete and are there all the time. That's a good point, too. That's why Jimmy Butler is there. He's a perfect guy for Pat Riley. Right. And I don't think that Kyrie has given enough over the course of his career to show Pat Riley, yeah, I want to come and compete for 82 games and, and the playoffs. I don't think that the body of work illustrates no. that at all. I think it's the Clippers. I, I think you trade Paul George straight up for him. And have he and Kawhi together, maybe Kawhi playing 41, Kyrie playing 41, and you've got the Clippers. Matthew Rocky says, no way. Yeah, why would, I, why would I trade Paul George for Kyrie Irving? He's 6'10", six, he's six, and he's a better defender. Because you are uh, Steve Ballmer, and you think that That's he's fair. the final piece. Yeah. I just, I just, Kyrie's an incredible player, but 
I just think we we, see, we saw it in these last finals. Every time there's a finals, you just can't get away from thinking about it. Length, versatility defensively, the ability to shoot outside while also being able to cover two different positions on defense. Those guys are what you how you win championships. And if they're your best player, then you even have a better chance at winning championships all of the Warriors. I think Paul George is a better winning player than Kyrie Irving, despite the fact that one of them has a ring. Playoff P. Yeah. Playoff P. God, he, playoff no, P. not Playoff P. Anything but Playoff P. Get a different nickname, Pandemic please. Pandemic P. It's so bad. No, no, not that either. Playoff P. Oh, no, no. <laughs> was, was, One he of the great the, nicknames in sports, Playoff I, P. And then he hit the, the three-pointer from the corner where he put it straight off the side of the backboard. Mm-hmm. will never die in my mind. It was just like the Kawhi oh, shot. God, it was bad. For Toronto. Sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> So, shout out to Belleville's own EJ Liddell, who got drafted last night by the New Orleans Pelicans. All right. So proud of him. Way to represent Belleville, EJ. And uh, I'm so happy I can finally cheer for you, because as an Illinois girl, I could not cheer for you when you were at Ohio State for all of those years. You made our life miserable. But take it or leave it. It's going to be great when EJ Liddell gets to play for his hometown team, the St. Louis Pelicans. I'll take that, yeah. Glad you're on the bandwagon, Michelle. I'm really excited. Well, you don't seem thrilled, Randy. Bring the Pelicans home, baby. I love the idea, but I hate the idea of tossing that out there and getting people's hopes up when Gail Benson has made it abundantly clear that she'll only sell to somebody who plans to keep the team in New Orleans. But you know what, Randy? I heard Brooks Kepka days ago say he was not going to take money from Liv, and guess where he is today? Money talks, baby. That's all I'm saying. We got some people in town with some deep pockets. Gail can be swayed. We have had an owner that said, I'll do my damnedest to keep the franchise in St. Louis, haven't don't, we? Don't you remember when when, when current St. Louis Rams uh, official said, you know, we're not buying that land for, for mm-hmm. stadiums, for real estate development. The Rams are still here when that when he said that. I so remember that, yeah. We'll go. have to change the so, name yeah. because there's not many Pelicans around town, but I no. just can't wait for EJ to play for his city. It's going to be great It'll to be have awesome. him back in town. All right. Let's get a couple of texts, Matthew. Take it or leave it. Traveling for a bachelor or bachelorette party in your 30s or 40s is overrated. Say I that would, one more time. Pa- traveling for a bachelor or bachelorette party in your 30s or 40s is overrated. I have never left anything more in my entire yeah, life. Leave it. You need it more than ever when you're in your 30s and your 40s. You have a real life. You have responsibilities. You need that taste of your youth. You need to go away with your friends and get a little weird and then have to go back to reality and be hungover for a week. When you're in your 20s, it's just an extension of college. You're already conditioned for that. It's not as exciting. When you're in your 30s, you plan for months to go away with your friends. You have a countdown on your phone. Simple yes or no question. And if you want to elaborate, feel free. Do you still have the inflatable swan in storage? Frankie is still here. Frankie is with us. Named, Getting a little weird. Frankie is with us. You named the pool uh, toy? That's, you, Frankie is with us. That's this all is not I will a, say. This is not a pool toy. Oh, okay. He's a member of the squad. Oh, okay. My, my Frankie, pa- Frankie has Frankie. has to be kept in. Frankie has seen some stuff. Does he, does he say relax? Again, we keep Frankie in the crew because he has seen some stuff. We've got to buy his silence. Frankie, say relax. And let me tell you, if your friends are like, oh, I'm not excited to go out of town for a bachelor or bachelorette party because I'm 40, kick him out of the group. I don't friends. need that negativity when we touch down in Miami, okay? It is on and popping as soon as we land. Cocktails at the airport. We're having beer showers. Like, let's go. It is on.
And you know what? You know what I want to listen to on the way there? I talk about your kids. Here's what We're I, in Miami. Here's what I want to listen to on the way to this bachelor party in my 30s. A podcast of Joey Vitale and Greg Amzinger would be gold. Take it or leave it. Take it. Yeah. This is, I said, if I'm ever a suit, if I'm ever a boss, if I ever have any power in my life, I'm getting Greg Amzinger and Joe Vitale together, and I want them to call sports on the Ocho. I want those two in a booth calling thumb wrestling. I want those two to be calling arm wrestling or something of that nature. Bags, anyone? Longer competitions. It would be amazing. Those two are meant to be together. Old strategy, Cotton. F and A cotton. You ever seen a lumberjack gauntlet? Those things are fascinating to watch. Take it or leave it. Barbershop's days are numbered as a blue. Leave it. If you, if you aren't going to have Oscar Sunkvist on your team, <laughs> I'm sorry. One more time. Oscar Sunkvist. S U N D Q V I S T. That's the end. Sunkvist. Um. Oh, man, that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You have to have that guy that plays both ends of the ice with energy that can play up and down the lineup. And really, the only guy the Blues have that does that right now is Barbashev, a two and a half million a year. You have to. It'd be foolish to move him. Is there something to trading a guy who who just got maybe 20 points over what is probably his career average is going to be? With 62, probably more of a 40-point guy. Is super tradable because of that contract? I really like having fourth-line players for Craig Berube. Me too. I'm with you on that one. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That's Matthew. And this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, speaking of the Blues, yesterday, well, I don't know if it's the Blues, but speaking of hockey, let's just go with that. No, it's the Blues. Future Blue Matthew Kachuk joined BK and JR yesterday here on 101 ESPN. And we'll hear a little bit of what he had to say to them next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford filled in for Alex on BKM Ferrario yesterday, and they welcomed Matthew Kachuk to the show, the uh, son of Blues great Keith Kachuk and the outstanding young forward for the Calgary Flames, who, and hey, most Blues fans want Matthew Kachuk to be here. And part of the ground rules, by the way, for the interview, as you might expect, were don't ask about becoming a Blue and don't ask about the possibility of a transaction or the rumors of coming here. That's fair on, on Matthew's part to not want to be asked about that. Yeah, what is he going to say? He can't win with Calgary if he does say something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, no, it's a business decision for him to not answer those questions, yeah. even if personally he might want to, but I respect it. So the natural question then would be, came from Jeremy Rutherford. What is your favorite color? Is it red or is it blue? Oh, <laughs> uh, geez, you can't go on anywhere without somebody bringing something up regarding that. Well, well, you know what? I'm outside right now talking to guys, and all I can see is green right now, and it looks pretty good. Green is also the color of money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what he's seeing right now. If I'm Matthew Kachuk, I'm about to see, I continue to see a lot of green. Now, there are a lot of draws for Matthew Kachuk. He loves going to Cardinal games. He's a huge Cardinal fan. Yeah. He's close to his family. His family's here. Just bought a big new house in the county. And so he, he spends the summer here anyway. And one of his best friends happens to play for the Blues, and one thing that was asked by Jeremy Rutherford was, what would it be like to play with Robert Thomas? I guess it's crazy when you think about it that, you know, I played with him in London and then stayed with him that summer with his family up in Aurora, and then he happens to just get drafted by the Blues and then plays another year in London and then comes here. Like, the the storyline involving that is just, just crazy, and we're still very, very close, and 
actually going uh, meeting him this weekend. My brother and I are going to uh, going to Chicago to hang out with him. So um, it's going to be a blast to see him. Haven't seen him in like a month or so. And yeah, one of my one of my great friends. We've had some success before. So um, I, I talk about a guy who I really enjoy watching. He's he's right at the top of the list. So he uh, makes everybody around him better, and he's he's a joy to watch. First things first, watch out Chicago. <laughs> the Kachucks and Robert Thomas oh are, are, are invading your shores. <laughs> Brace yourself. It's about to be a wild weekend up there. But one thing I, I wrote down listening to Matthew Kachuk talk about Robert Thomas is had some success before. Yep. Which leads me to believe that he might be thinking that they could potentially have some success again in the future. And I think the most logical way for them to have success, Randy, would be for Matthew Kachuk to join him with the St. Louis Blues, no? No doubt about it. It would make all the sense in the world. Now, from the Blues standpoint, maybe from Matthew's standpoint, maybe from Robert's standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't know. I keep trying to think of how I can make this work and make sense from Calgary's standpoint. How do you trade a 42-goal, 104-point guy, and he's got some leverage because he's a UFA after next year. How do you make that look good for your fans? And especially a guy with the personality that Matthew mm-hmm. Kachuk has and all the intangibles and leadership that he brings yeah. to the team. He's the complete package, which is why St. Louis Blues fans are so enamored with him. Oh, and he understands what it means to love St. Louis and love the Blue Note, and he honors and respects the sweater. He's everything for the St. Louis Blues, but he's also the complete package for mm-hmm. other teams like Calgary. Yeah. And the fans don't want to see him go. But if I'm Calgary and I know that he's not going to stay here in the future. I'm trying to get what I can from the deal. Get now. the best deal. Get the best deal now. And that's the way that I sell it to my fan bases. We knew that he's a St. Louis boy. We knew that this is where his heart was and he wanted to be. It was important for us to maximize the value that we could get from him now. And I think if you're the Blues, you need to respect the fact that Brad Travelling, the general manager in Calgary, he has to he has to make it work somehow from his standpoint too. If the if you're the Blues, you're going to have to give up a young, valuable asset. Might wear number twenty five. Mm. Uh, you're going to have to give up picks. You're going to have to. It's going to have to hurt a little. You can't keep everything you have and get Matthew Kachuk at the same time. Yeah, not every deal is going to look like the Nolan Arenado deal. No, no. Most franchises are not going to pay you to take their star player. That's just not how it's going to work. And it is going to hurt a little, but. I think that Doug Armstrong has proved that he knows what assets to move and when to move them. And so that's why even if it is a 25 and you do know that he's an all-star and has incredible talent and could grow into one of the stars in the league, if Doug Armstrong thinks that it's a short-term pain for a long-term gain, I'm going to trust his decision-making. Let me ask you guys one quick thing as we wrap up the Matthew Kachuk conversation for the moment. Because you know it's going to persist all it summer is. long. <laughs> but if, if you're the Flames and you've seen your biggest rivals, you've seen the Oilers sign McDavid and Dreisaitl to monster contracts, do you offer Matthew a deal just below McDavid's, which is eight years at just under $12 million a year? I don't think you pay him what McDavid got. But here you have similar markets. You have your biggest rival. They're keeping their guys. Yep. There's got to be some pressure. If, if I'm Calgary, and I don't know what their financial situation is, but I've got to give an offer to him of something close to what Connor McDavid got. 
I don't even think twice about it. If I want to remain competitive, I've got to keep Matthew Kachuk. And that's how are you going to explain it to your fan base if you don't make the offer? Make the offer. If he says no, then you can go to the fans. You can say, we tried our best to keep him. We knew that he wasn't interested in it. And so we proceeded forward doing what's best for our organization, knowing that he was no longer option A. But if you don't make the offer, I think that's going to be a really tough pill for fans to swallow. And Matthew's saying no, he he wouldn't do it. I just don't think Calgary can. I, I was shaking my head about the Calgary's financials. If they don't sign Johnny Goudreau, they're trading Matthew Kachuk. It's an absolute guarantee. And I don't know if, if they, they don't sign Goudreau. If they, they don't sign, because you cannot let Goudreau walk and then a year later let Matthew Kachuk walk. Your franchise will be distraught. The fans will have no reason. You have to get something for one of those two players. So if Goudreau walks, the GM, they have to get something for Matthew Kachuk if it, so that he doesn't walk. They have to trade him. They have to re, restart, reboot, rebuild. But would you offer him the $12 million a year before you let him go? I would, but I just don't think they can, I don't think they can build a, a, a competitive team with a guy with a $12 million contract on their budget. I also think if you're a Calgary, you make the offer knowing he's likely going to turn right, it down. Right. It's more of a, a long-term power play for you. Yeah. It's it's a strategic move. Yeah. The offer, by the way, the contract McDavid got is a hundred million dollars. It's eight years and twelve and a half million a year. So what you do is you come in with Matthew at eight years at twelve million a year, and say, well, what do you think? He's not getting that kind of money from the Blues. And if he takes it. Great. You've you've secured your biggest star for a a long term. Right. And if he doesn't, then you know where you're headed. Yeah. So I I would do that if I were them. Jay Delsing joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jay Delsing joins us on the Broader Group and Celebrity Line, and he will have golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning here on 101 ESPN. And we always love talking to you, Jay. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning, and, and congratulations. I think you've solved all of Army's problems. I think uh, Matthew's already you know, going to be a blues, and we'll figure that out. He I doesn't have it. to move either. That's the convenient part of it. I know. I mean, you guys worked out all the details. I, uh, that's impressive. Nice going. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Hey, I want to know from your personal perspective what you think of Brooks Kepka right now. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so for so first of all, I never understood this guy. He always kind of had this oh um, self-imposed chip on his shoulder to to, to whatever. I, I, I assumed it was to try to get him to to compete and to. Um, you, you know, to seem kind of mysterious or, or, or odd or different. But, you know, I, I follow this stuff pretty damn closely, and he was adamant about money is not going to make me happy and blah, 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 and then he changed his mind. I, I don't think much of him at all. I, I, you know, I just don't understand how you can say one thing and do another consistently, and that's what he's done, and now he's with the LIV folks, and we'll have to see what happens here. This is no one's talked about golf, you guys, as much ever as they have no. right now, and it's it's really really interesting. And by the way, Jay, and I think we all agree here. If these guys said, "I'm going for the money," I don't think anybody would begrudge them. If they say, "I go, I'm going for the money," I don't care where it's coming from, but that's why I'm going. I wouldn't begrudge them that. Of, of course not. And you know what's weird, you guys? Is this is a pretty interesting time for golf. It's tumultuous for the PGA tour, but when has the the sport of golf ever had 
too much money involved in it. I mean, I've been, you know, following my ball into the woods for a lot of years. And, and you know, what we got going now is so different. It is, Jay. What is, what's your reaction to the PGA and response to live increasing the purses on the PGA Tour? You know what, Michelle? It was inevitable. One of the things that happens with the PGA Tour, and I, I love what the PGA Tour provided for me. It was an absolute dream come true. But one of the things that I've noticed over the years is the PGA Tour gets complacent. It's the only game in town. It's the best, you know, competition by far. And so they, uh, unfortunately, they have turned into a more reactive organization. Instead of staying on the front line, instead of staying fresh, and instead of staying, you know, more current with what's going on in the world, they wait till things happen and then kind of have these reactions. I've seen it before several times. I mean, Greg Norman, you guys, has tried to do this before. He's tried to put together what he wanted, what we called the world tour back when I was still playing. And he fought every single meeting with Tim Fincham because Fincham wanted all this under the tour umbrella. And what came out of it, you guys, is the current world golf championships, which is, you know, the best players in the world playing under, you know, under the same umbrella, so to speak, in this, in the same event. And it's, it's, I don't see that as a bad thing at all. But what Kepka said, to Randy's point earlier, is money's not going to make me happy, and I want to compete against the best. Well, how do we shake that out, or, or how do we assess that after this move? There's going to be 25 people at Pumpkin Ridge that you've never heard of. <laughs> That's true, Jay. And in the beginning of all of this, when Phil Mickelson was the only one who had publicly declared that he was going over there, one of the things that he said, though, was that the PGA Tour was greedy. Do you think the fact that they came up with this money in response to live kind of proved his point even a little bit? You know, Michelle, not really. I think the, the, how much money the tour has has nothing to do with what Phil's complaining about. What Phil's complaining about is he wants to own his rights which is ridiculous because you know we'd never have the NHL. If, if Matthew could, uh, Tuchuk owned his own rights, we'd have to pay Matthew to watch it. That's why you have leagues and things like that. But what is going to happen, but what Phil just wouldn't be patient with the tourists, is these NFTs. All of these different video clips and all of these different um, things that now have value, Phil wants a piece of that. He's going to get a piece of it. It's just such a new entity. The tour has said that they're working on arrangements to figure these things out with the players and to put more money in the players' pockets. But Phil just plowed right over it and went, you know, as he did, went rogue, went behind the scenes, helped write the business plan. You know, and I wouldn't be too proud of saying I helped write the business plan for this LIV. What is the business plan? What does this thing look like? What are the tournaments going to look like next year? How many people? How are they going to do it? Do you need you know, one? Uh, do you, I know they, they say we're trying to grow golf, but I think we talked about this. Our demo, we're the Jay, Jay, you and I are the middle of the golf demographic watching on TV. We aren't going to go watch these guys on YouTube. We, we, we like seeing no. these. If we see Kepka or DJ on TV or, or uh, Bryson DeChambeau, it's great if we see him on CBS or NBC when we sit down on our Barker lounger on a Sunday afternoon. But we aren't going to make an effort to go see these guys. But then little things like, Courtesy cars not being available. What companies 
and I know a lot of companies are already in bed with with the Saudis, but what companies are going to be so open about it that they'll put signage up and say, yeah, we're part of Live. I, I don't see it either, but they don't need a business plan because they're never going to run out of money. That's the point. And so when you start talking about competition, is this truly competition? I mean, you, you know, what, is this thing going to be around? How, how much appetite do the Saudis have to keep dumping several billion dollars into this thing? Yeah, and what are they going to see out of it? I mean, is it really going to, going to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish and change their image? Actually, I, I think, mean, no one's yeah. talked more about these assholes, you know, now that, 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 uh, that they're involved with live and, and, and some of the atrocities that they've, they've done. I, I don't know guys. It, it just, there's so many things that are unanswered. Let me ask you guys this too. Once they get over 50 players or 45 players to sign up, cause they eventually probably will. How are those players ranked in terms of getting into the events? Are they just going to increase the field? And then is it still going to be a shotgun start? I mean, it just it just reeks of like a member guest to me right now. It really does. Yeah, that's, that's a great comp. One more thing from me, Jay, and that's regarding Rory McIlroy, who's tied at the moment for the lead at the Travelers. He's been playing great golf. He's been a great spokesman, a great front man, I think, for the PGA Tour. In fact, I think he's better been a better front man and spokesman than the commissioner, Jay Monahan. I just want to get your take on, on Rory right now at the moment. Just... As we look at the the legacy of Rory McIlroy on June 24th, 2022, I I have a ton of respect for him. I want to know what you think. Same thing, Randy. I am a, you know, certain things happen in life and timing becomes perfect. And this Rory is playing super great golf, as you said, and he's so fun to watch when he, when his putter is on and, and um, these, these issues and his opinions of what should be going on or what's important to him. You know, he's, he, he has just turned out as, I mean, his phone has got to be ringing off the hook. His manager has got to be dealing with so many new opportunities with him because he's saying and doing and living all the, all the things that you would want someone to represent your company doing. He's, he's, he's talking honestly, he's not throwing everybody under the bus in terms of saying, yeah, no, I really don't understand it. Brooks said he wasn't going to go. And now he did. Why do you say that? You know, and I don't understand that. But he didn't say, he didn't call him names. He didn't say, oh, he, this guy's a bad guy. But he's, he's representing the PGA Tour. He's talking about competition. He's talking about legacy. He's talking about wanting to be involved in the record books in the PGA Tour. And that's why he started playing golf. And he hasn't really shifted gears or shifted lanes, guys. I mean, it's all, all hats off to Roy right now. He is the poster child for the PGA Tour. Jay, what do you have on the show this week? You know what? I've got Jay Williamson on our, nice. our my my buddy, our local guy, uh, Jay Williamson. is always interesting. Jay and I grew up in completely different environments. We always have different opinions of stuff, but it's <laughs> it's fun to to be able to disagree with someone, but you know, somehow get along. In this society, that doesn't happen too much anymore. Looking forward to that. Always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, we will see you soon. Anytime, guys. Have a great day. You too. Take care. That's Jay Delsing. You can hear him. Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight, plus your thoughts about whether or not the Cardinals and Cubs rivalry is more fun if the Cubs are good or if they suck. That's coming up at 845, and we want your mic drops, your Rhino Shield mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. For that, on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time for the fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. The exact time is 8.38 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Randy has been on one this week. He has been, he's always confident, but he's been extraordinarily confident all week. He's been firing off sounders before we go to commercial, before the fight. He's been calling a shot. Someone out there has got to check Randy Carricker and bring him back down to earth. Can Adam do it? He's going to try. He's here with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Michelle. Are you ready to take Randy down a notch? Always. And if not, I get my participation trophy. That's right. Orange slices for everybody, Adam. (laughs) Well, good luck to you. We're cheering for you. Thanks. Question number one for Adam. When the Mariners set the wins record in MLB in 2001, which pitcher led the team in wins? Is it Jamie Moyer, Freddie Garcia, or Paul Abbott? Let's go with the old man, Jamie Moyer. This this past Brewer series featured all three of the all of the top no, let me start over again. This past Brewer series featured all three of the top three finalists from the twenty thirteen NL MVP race. Andrew McCutcheon won the award while Yachty came in third. Who came in second? Was that Matt Holliday, Matt Carpenter, or Paul Goldschmidt? Twenty thirteen. Let's go with Goldie. Adam, the last time three true freshmen went 1-2-3 in the NBA draft was 2017 when Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, and who else opened up the top of the draft? Was that Lonzo Lonzo Ball, excuse me, Lonzo Ball, how can we forget him, Marvin Bagley Jr., or Josh Jackson? I think it was Ball. Final answer, Adam? Yeah. Okay. How many times did Ken Reitz lead National League third baseman in field percentage across his career? Was that four, six, or eight times? We'll do six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Randy has got his work cut out for him. That's all I'll say, Adam. Excellent job. Waving him in. How do you feel, Adam? Uh, you know. 50-50 like the cards and brewers? <laughs> well, yeah. You should have a little bit more confidence in that. Although, Randy, are you eating a, somehow like a Reese's snack over there? Yeah, I am. What is it? Uh, fast break. Reese's fast break. Creamy. Great. Randy is eating a Reese's fast break and drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper. It's a good combo. The breakfast of champions. Yes, it is. And Randy has been a champion all week long. He really has. He's been really good all week. Not all week. Didn't I lose one? I don't think you did. Okay. I think you lost on Friday of last week oh. and beat him coming oh, in I, on Monday? No, I Curbs lost on Monday. Oh, that's, that's what, what it was. was. Curbs yeah. lost thank on you, Monday. Thank you, Randy thank you. is undefeated all week. Uh, Randy, you got your work cut out for you because we have someone who is a very knowledgeable about sports on the line. It is Adam. Hi, Adam. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Randy? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Are you ready, Megamind? Ready. Question number one. 
When the Mariners set the wins record in MLB in 2001, which pitcher led the team in wins? So the Cardinals actually had him, and he was terrible, and the Cardinals cut him. And he wound up pitching until he was like in his late 40s. He won, I think he won 20 games, didn't he? For them, I think he, uh, Jamie Moyer, I think it was a 20 game winner for that 116 win team. This past Brewers series featured all of the top three finalists from the 2013 NL MVP race. Andrew McCutcheon won the award. Yadier Molina finished third. Who finished second? 2013 NL MVP. McCutcheon, Yadi, and. So Marp was, I think, fifth that year, but he wasn't in this series. Um, certainly wasn't Yelich. Um, so we have um, for some reason I, I've got a mind block here. So I'll do the lifeline. Uh, Matt Holiday, Matt Carpenter, or Paul Goldschmidt? Well. Uh, Matt Holiday and Matt Carpenter, if I'm not mistaken, did not participate in this weekend series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Kind of a layup, no? Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Gotta la- listen sometimes. The mm-hmm. last time three true freshmen went 1 2 3 in the NBA draft was 2017 mm-hmm. when Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, and who else opened the top of the draft? Who was the second pick in that draft? Tatum. Oh, uh, Ball. La- uh, the. Lonzo to the Lakers, set one second. How many times did Ken Reitz lead National League third baseman in fielding percentage in his career? I'm just going to randomly go with five. Wow. This was an incredible fight. And it came down to the final question. And oh boy, was it close. Will the person formerly known as Matt, currently known as Rocky, ring the bell? The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Adam, you've done it. Congratulations. You not only took down Megamind, you got all four correct. Very cool. Very cool. I can feel your enthusiasm radiating through the airwaves. Adam, you seem very pumped. Thanks. You're welcome. Probably get better than the participation. Right? That's right. That's right. Well, have a great weekend celebrating, Adam. We'll talk to you on Monday when you come back to uh, take on Randy again. That sounds great. Okay. That is Adam, who got all four correct, Randy. It came down to the final question, which we'll get to in a second. So it was Jamie Moyer. When the Mariners set the wins record in 2001, Jamie Moyer led that team in wins with 20. Right on the nose, Randy. Very good. This Brewer series features all of the top three finalists from the 2013 NL MVP race. McCutcheon won the award. Yachty came in third. Since Matt Holliday and Matt Carpenter do not currently play for the Cardinals or the Brewers. The logical choice, as Randy deduced, was Paul Goldschmidt, who came in second that year. The last time three true freshmen went 1-2-3 in the NBA draft was 2017. Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, and Lonzo Ball opened up the top of that draft. And Ken Reitz led the National League in fielding percentage across his career six times. Mm. Randy guessed five. He was so close. It was six times. 73-74, 77-78, and 80-81. Apparently, Ken Reitz, the late great Ken Reitz, used to go to Mike Schmidt and say, say, 
How's it feel having all my gold gloves? <laughs> I didn't know that when he retired, he had the highest fielding percentage in National League history. He was a Zamboni machine. How was he only a one gold glove winner? Just because Mike Schmidt was just getting every single Mike one of them? Mike Schmidt was hitting 40 home runs. It's in. And Mike Schmidt was great. Mike Schmidt was incredible, but I like how you phrased it. You phrased it in the correct way, which was because he was hitting a bunch of home runs. Yes, yeah, that's, that's why. Uh, that was Adam. Great to have him with us, and he'll come back on Monday to defend his title. Which, uh, I'm sure he'll never let go of it now. He's really excited about it, too. Uh, so is it more or less fun for you if the Cubs suck in this Cards-Cubs rivalry? Your mic drops are next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, sipping and spitting, unstoppable, that's the mission But I've been tripping in the ish and I need to shut up and listen Cause I got everything that I want, everything and more But that's not enough, I need to go out and explore Cause I've been doing everything that I want to, right? Not a homie's here when they drink all night But it's all worth it, everything's perfect, not your sure if the time ain't right Yeah, it's happening, maybe you can't see it I got all these lyrics in my brain, there has to be a reason Wow. That is awesome. That is our buddy, afternoon drive producer for the Fast Lane, Andrew Marsh, who definitely can outspit me, Michelle. I'm just vibing over here, Randy. Now, just two words right now, okay? Macklemore wishes, okay? Macklemore wishes. Yeah. That he had the flow, the cadence, uh, the lyricism of, uh, what's his rap name? Uh, that's Marshy Marsh, the Marshy new Eminem. Marshy Marsh. Marshy Marsh. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put him up there with Marshall. Uh, he's he's like a young Macklemore, popping tags, I've exploring the world. I've been informed that if you go to at 101 ESPN, there's a music video with our own Marshy Marsh wow. right now. <laughs> on the Twitter machine? On the Twitter machine, at 101 ESPN, ladies and gentlemen. Randy, uh, I just have to open this up here for a feeling circle. How are you feeling right now, knowing there's another MC within our own family? I'm totally impressed and very, very happy. Are you? Because yeah. most of the time in the rap world, this would be a beef. Well, this is not an East Coast, West Coast thing. We're In the Midwest, we, we're willing to collab. Are you? I mean, you think about how Nelly... He's coming for your throne, yeah, you know? Nelly gets together with Florida Georgia Line. Not East Coast, not West, not West Coast. Different genres, though. But not I, a real threat. But I'm willing to work with others within the industry. And so is Marshy Marsh. He's a good guy. Yeah. You know, so we aren't going to... Hey, I, let me put it this way. He's not going to wind up with 25 bullets in him because of me. Okay, you know what? It's one love here at 101 ESPN. Mm-hmm. So one just like love. just like Nelly one can collab love. with Paul Wall on grills, you're willing to do a collab with Marshy Marsh is what you're telling me. 100%. Now, what if he comes and just like Paul Wall on grills, sorry, Nelly, he does a better verse than you. That's okay. I'm good with that. Are you? Wow, you're so generous. What a generous spirit Ram DMC has. Well, hey, you know what? I've been up on stage with Murphy, right? That's right. And, 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 and Kiwan, too. Yeah, and, and those guys are better than me. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. But I, I'm i in it for the fun, and I, I'm in it because I want people to understand my feels growing up on the mean streets of Creevecore, Missouri. All right? Life's that easy. And, and so we're, we're, we're rapping from the gut when we're from St. Louis. That's right. And so I... Not the heart, the gut. Right. That great old Midwestern gut filled with Bud Light. So I'm not in this for glory. I'm not in this for money. (laughs) I'm in this for feeling. I'm in this so that 
I can feel better and hopefully make others feel better, too. You're in this for the love of the game. Totally am. Can we get a little taste of that again? I just think... Marshy Marsh, yeah, so, here we go. So obviously the afternoon audience heard it. I just think the morning show audience needs a little bit more of this. Here we go. Marsh. we're going for. Yeah, we are. Uh, here's to all who never seen a change. To the ones I started with. Yeah, they all the same. Yeah. Here's to all who never see the fame. Uh-huh. To the ones who don't know me, but they know my name. Wait, hold yeah. on. Fair Where enough. Fair enough. Does Marshy Marsh low-key slap? Is this a is this a jam? What's the title of this track? Low key or high key? I'm gonna go with no. Is what's what's the name of this track? Unstoppable. Unstoppable. <laughs> Radio edit. Mr. Unstoppable. Is that the new Mr. Unlimited? I don't I think know. It might be. Wow. I'm just in awe that he's so humble that he had this all along, this burgeoning rap career. He knew that he had the lyrics and the skill, and he was just. Happy being our so, teammate here at 101 ESPN, keeping it under wraps. His new name instead of Marshy Marsh should be Mr. Humble. Next year, when we do our AFC NFC Championship Bash, he needs to appear. I mean, He's just, like, get on stage just with like the one guy from Atlanta. Who's the one guy um, the, from Atlanta? That's Mike Ryder. Jermaine who, Dupree? No. Uh, Mike, uh, see if you can uh, ask Ryder who the one guy from Atlanta that was supposed to do our championship bash was. Oh, it was, uh, hold on. It was, um, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It was not Bubba Sparks. Bubba, Bubba Sparks. Sparks. There we go. Yeah. So Marshy can. Mr. Uh, Booty. Yeah, Marshy can take the place Bubba of Bubba Sparks. Sparks. I will Wait. never forget when uh, someone at the time was like, "Yeah, I'm going to bring in Bubba Sparks for the NFC AFC Championship Bash," and I go, "Do you think our audience is dying to hear from Bubba Sparks? Do you think that a bunch of sports fans who might not be listening to Championship Weekend are going to be interested in it because Bubba Sparks is coming?" Not to worry, Michelle. Because he didn't show up. He didn't show up. And you know what? Shout out to him because I think he cashed the check and he then did. bailed. Yeah. So did. really, who's laughing now? Bubba right, Sparks exactly. is. Enjoy the money. All right. Cubs in town for the weekend. Do you prefer it when the Cubs suck or when they're good? James with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. Oh, we weren't ready for that segment. Hey, guys. Remember when Jason Hayward said the Cubs had a brighter future than the Cardinals? <laughs> <laughs> good point. Hey, you yeah. know what though? He got his World Series, so he's laughing just yeah. just like Bubba Sparks. He's got the last laugh. He he's got a ring. Literally laughing all the way to the bank. He's literally putting his ring on yeah. and laughing all the way to the bank, and has a little bit of a a legend status because he gave the Randley speech. And I want to point this out because Jason Hayward has not been a good player. Uh, I, I won't say this. He's been a Gold Glove. He's not been a good offensive player. For the Chicago Cubs. If Jason Hayward, after that 2015 season, accepts the Cardinals' $200 million offer over 10 years, the Cardinals do not have Goldschmidt and or Arenado. So thank you for making that choice. I, th- yeah. I think two of the best things that happened to the Cardinals over the last 10 years are that Albert Pujols said no and Jason Hayward said no. I'm with you. Jason Hayward's numbers with the Cubs and Michelle in seven years, he's still got a, a year left. 245 career batting average with the Cubs, a 701 career OPS with the Cubs. He's hit uh, 62 home runs in his seven years there, uh, and he's driven in less than 300 runs. Not great. All right, let's hear from Jeff. He's so happy knowing that the Cubs have good players on their team, such as Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and that they still suck. The rivalry is so much better knowing that they have good players on their team and they suck. It would be way different if they had a bunch of no-names and were beating up on them, but 
knowing that they got good guys on that squad and, and still beating up on them just makes it that much sweeter. Yeah, they've got a couple of good players. And Patrick Wisdom, former Cardinal first-round draft choice, is having a good year for them. Yes, he is. So, But there's no room him, for him give, here. Give them props. No, they're... We we got a third baseman. I think so. I think we're set. We're okay there. Hey, we got to this late, so we're going to continue it. Coming up next as we roll on, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. Skinny pants and the red lips. Blue eyes with the nice hips. Wanna get lost tonight, girl. Don't matter what the plan is. Right. Let me see your face light up. Uh-huh. Let me see that smile so sweet. Yeah. I really want to take you down. End it with the night in the streets. Ooh. Kiss you in the street, right? Uh, so caught in the moment. Marshy Marsh. You also hear him afternoons yeah. in the fast lane on 101 ESPN, That's but this right. is his main gig. Wow. You know, he's not bad. He's really good. Good cadence. Yeah. I don't hate the lyrics. No, I think he's fine. I think he's great. The production value is there. Marshy Mar. And you know what, Randy? He's talking about love being a drug, and it really is. We love the Cardinals. It's a drug. We can't quit. And there's a thin li- thin line between love and hate, which is why we're talking about Cards Cubs today. That's exactly right. How nice I- segue. Thank you. Yeah. Well done by yeah. me. That was pretty good. Thank, so you. The question- oh, thank you, guys. Thanks. Question that was off the cuff, too. Question of the day is, do you prefer the Cubs to be good like they were for the middle part of the the last decade, 15, 16, 17, 18, uh, or, or even 07, 08, 09, they were pretty good. Or do you prefer it when they suck like they did from 2000 through basically, well, 2002, and then they had that incident in 2003, quote unquote incident. The incident? Mm-hmm. That's what we're calling it, the incident. With the guy with the headphones? Yeah. They ruined his life. Yeah, yeah, the Cubs fans have a tendency to do that. If you've never seen the 30 for 30 catching hell, that's mm-hmm. all you need to know about Cubs fans. They ruined his life. They did. Steve Bartman, poor guy, yeah. just trying to listen to the broadcast, wear a turtleneck, it gets cold up in Chicago, and enjoy the game. And trying to do what everybody else would do. No doubt. Including Moises Alou. Just try to catch a foul ball. Yeah, no, you know what? He was awful for calling out Bartman like that. Yeah, he was a Richard. No doubt about it. He got around here in Moises. Did he? Oh, yeah. There's there's great stories. Moises, about, Mo, Moises stories. Uh, CJ has us with a mic drop here on 101 ESPN. So I'd say that I, I like the Cubs to be uh, competitive to where kind of like the situation in that clip, you know, they're, they're good enough to where they're on the verge of the playoffs so it makes for some competitive games throughout the year and some close matchups um, to make the rivalry really you know feel uh, significant um, but then you know it's always you know preferred that they just fail spectacularly <laughs> and don't make the playoffs and you know like we said factory of sadness Michelle I think CJ's operative word there was fail spectacularly yeah like Good phrase the Bartman incident 
right? Yes, that's why we loved that the cl- the Cubs were the lovable losers. It wasn't just that they sucked all the time. It's that when they tried not to suck, they would somehow find a way to suck. Yep. And, and CJ referenced the clip, and this is what we were what he was talking about. We played it earlier, but we want you to be able to hear this. Seven to five Cubs, bottom of the ninth. Two down, the Brewers have the bases loaded and a 2-2 count on the hitter. Here's the pitch. Swung on, fly ball, left field. Brant Brown going back. Brant Brown drops the ball. He drops the ball. Three runs will score. And the Brewers have beaten the Cubs. And the Cubs, to their credit, were a playoff team that year. They made the wild card. They won 90 games. That was 1998, McGuire and Sosa. But that was like the essence of Cubdom right there with Ron Santo in the background saying, oh, no. So great. But you can't tell me that watching the Cubs suck was more fun than what happened in 2015. And yes, it did not work out in the Cardinals' favor in the playoffs and the Cubs Mm -hmm. beat the Cardinals. But when you have the Cardinals winning 100 games and the Cubs are right there, and who else was it? The Pirates that also won like 100 games that year. It was so fun. And to think that the Cubs could finally get it done was fun, I think, for the rivalry and fun for Cardinals fans. And I wonder how it's going to be when they're good again. Now that the, when the wor- Cubs are good again, yeah. Now that the World Series is is captured by them, and that's not looming. I'm going to turn sixty in August, Michelle. We don't so you need think to talk about that? You think they're cursed again? You think it's not going to happen well, I mean, in your lifetime? Poverty in ownership lifetime. It's a poverty ownership group. They can't afford to. They can't afford to compete. So you're telling me that you think in the remainder of your life, forty you, years, forty, forty plus. Thank you. You got it. I know you're riding your bike. You're some 180. You're healthy. You're a healthy man, Randy. Well, as you eat a Reese's Fast Break and drink a Diet Dr. Pepper for fast breakfast. Fast Break gets you energy, energized. Uh, doesn't just, help you win fights, evidently, but it helps you get energized. I'm saying I'm adding a couple more years because of your breakfast of choice, okay? <laughs> you think in 40 years we won't see another Cubs World Series championship? No. No. No, that's, that's kind of cursed. Yeah, but... But what would have cursed them this time? Uh, the curse of Theo. What, he he left? Left, yep. He he got him. They they made their deal with the devil, and he got him their that championship. That didn't impact the Red Sox, though. No, but I think that's a little bit different. I think the Red Sox, they were really able to cleanse themselves by t- coming back against the Yankees. I think that one did it for them. I don't know that the Cubs have that that sort of strength to power through if if they. If they would have won again with the same group like the Red Sox did in mm-hmm. 07, I think it would have been different. But they just fell apart. What year did they erect that monstrosity in the outfield, also known as the Jumbotron? Because it could be the curse of the Jumbotron. Because I feel like they really tainted okay. a cathedral of baseball, and they should be cursed so, for Michelle, that. So, Michelle, I know a guy that bought rooftop tickets for $2,500 a pop. Wow. A seat? For the World Series. A seat. A seat. Wow. Yeah. For, I guess it was... Game five in Chicago in 2016 for the World Series. He was behind the scoreboard. So, yes. So, it can't be the curse of the scoreboard because they won after it was erected. Right, yeah. Curse of the biblical losses comment because that y- might be. y- you can, the only way you can come through with biblical losses is, is, is baseball Jesus. And, well, he's a Cardinal, so. Well, yeah. you know what? We're sitting here having this conversation about the Cubs sucking. They've won more recently than the Cardinals have. Yes, they have. So if we're talking scoreboards as, bi- as a monstrosity as they are, the Cubs have the 
the all-time scoreboard right now. Not the all-time, but they have the scoreboard right now because they won in 2016. The Cardinals haven't won since 2011. I always like to go to their ballpark and count all their banners that they have up above their stadium. I'm just saying they've won more recently than the Cardinals have. Yes, historically, are they as good? No. But I think that the Cardinals, they're kind of due. If if I had to make the choice from the time I was introduced to quality baseball, I think I would take my seven World Series appearances and three championships over their one. I agree. I'm just saying until the Cardinals win another World Series, that's going to be what a Cubs fan's retort is. Well, we've won more recently than you have. I like this. I like this a lot because now we can say the Blues are better than the Red Wings and the Canadians. Exactly. And the Blackhawks. <laughs> and the Blackhawks. The, the Blues the are definitely better than the Blackhawks. Hey, let's get one more mic drop. This is Ed who joins us on 101 ESPN. Randy, I'm a Royals fan. So personally, I was a big fan of seeing Zobrist go back to back. But other than that, I always think the Cubs suck. I thought it was great for baseball when they were good. Uh, but I think it's better for the Cardinals when they suck because the Cardinals, like the Blues, play down a team sometimes, and so it just seems to be better baseball. But hey, what do I know? What's October baseball? <laughs> Ed, I'll, I'll say this, and I do have, Michelle, you have a lot of friends that are Cubs fans and were before they won in 2016. Mm-hmm. They didn't bun- jump on the bandwagon like Blackhawks fans did in 2010, right? No, they were unfortunately born into it. Right. So for people like Ed, Royals fan that stuck with it, it's hard to be a, a fan of a, a, a bad team. And the Blues were never bad. They made the playoffs all the time. They just didn't win the Cup. But when you're a fan of a, a franchise that's historically bad, mm-hmm. when you win, I feel happy for you. But a rivalry is based in hate, and you can't hate a team that is just so hapless. You you want competition. Competition fuels the hate. I think that the rivalry between the Cardinals and the Cubs is more akin to a rivalry between a pair of brothers. I I think they they like each other, they, they respect each other, but one knows that he is on the upper level of the hierarchy. Yeah, but at some point, the younger brother is going to grow up, and he's going to be able to beat you. Well, Eli Manning. Eli Manning caught up to, to Peyton, but it doesn't last forever. True, but I don't think that's as fun. See, uh, I, I understand that Cardinals fans and Cubs fans are, let's have a beer and hang out mm-hmm, in the bleachers yeah. and have a good time. Here's a restaurant recommendation. Or in St. Louis, we're like, hey, don't go in this part of town. You you could see some trouble. That could be problematic right, yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, we look out for each other. We we do have that that connection. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a friendly rivalry. Nobody's getting well. I shouldn't say nobody, but it's not like the Dodgers and the Giants, where on a regular basis people are being beaten to a pulp in the parking lot outside the ballpark. Correct, but it is more fun when the competition actually. It's more fun when there's stakes. It's more fun when you're going to see the Cubs down the stretch, and there's playoffs on the line for both teams. I think it's interesting, but I don't know if it... I, I like knowing I'm going to win. Not me. I <laughs> want to beat the best. I want to know that you're trying your hardest and that it's going to be a bloodbath and that we're going to come out on top. If you want to beat the best, then why are you a Cardinal fan? You should be a Cubs fan or a Pirate because that's the team you're chasing. You're, Cardinals are the best. No, I'm not saying the Cubs are the best. I'm saying that it's more fun as a Cardinals fan if you can break the heart of a Cubs fan oh, yeah. when they're good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Big Thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll talk Stanley Cup Finals and Matthew Kachuk with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. Next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Stanley Cup Final Game 5 tonight here on 101 ESPN. The pregame at 6.30 as the Colorado Avalanche will go for the title, their first championship since 2001. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com joins us. Good morning, Greg. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. And uh, what do you think happens tonight? Let's start with that. Well, I think they clinch. I think, I think they end tonight. Um, you know, the, the first two games here in the series – in uh, Denver, it, 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 boy, they were they were lopsided in a lot of ways. Um, even though the first one was an overtime loss, that was an overtime loss because uh, Darcy Kemper, the goalie who played in, in Game One and will play tonight, uh, hadn't played in over two weeks. <laughs> so I think there was a bit of rust there. Uh, he's gotten better as the, se- as the series I think has gone on a little bit, and um, and so the Avalanche just have some distinct advantages on home ice. They play with more speed. They control the tempo. They get the matchups they want, in particular rolling Nathan McKinnon's line against Steven Stamkos' line, which really neutralizes the Lightning's top offensive line. So um, the other thing about it, too, is that you know they've shown a real killer instinct in these playoffs. Uh, you know They swept the Predators. They swept the Oilers. Um, their one misstep was against the Blues uh, in a clinching scenario in a Game 5. And if you talk to the Avalanche, they're really uh, pissed about it. <laughs> they, did, they did not like the fact that they had to go back to St. Louis to win in a game six. So uh, that might have been a learning experience and, and uh, another reason why I expect them to just put the pedal down tonight. And it's interesting, Greg, because when you talk to the Blues players, they were dominating in game three here when Bennington got hurt. And the Blues are convinced that they would have beaten Colorado had Bennington not gotten hurt. Oh, I'm, I'm convinced with them. I picked them in the series. I'm, I'm go, I'll go to my grave with that, man. Like, uh, not only were the Blues, you know, confident and, and poised and playing well and, and getting a bunch of their, their lines all kind of going in the same direction, but Bennington started to look like vintage Bennington. I mean, like, he was playing really, really well, um, and then obviously he gets hurt and it changes the whole dynamic of the series. So, I listen, if you're a Blues fan and, and you think that you could be here right now instead of the Avalanche, I agree, man. I think that, that series was right for the picking if Bennington didn't get hurt in that series. Uh, it's a heartbreaker, Greg. It's a tough sp- uh, pill for a lot of St. Louisans to swallow. But with that being said, we know that the Blues are a cup contender. They're right there. A lot of people think they should be playing right now. But Doug Armstrong has a tough offseason ahead of him with a lot of question marks. And a big one that looms is about Vladimir Tarasenko. What do you think happens with Vladdy this offseason? Well, it's a great question. I mean, you know, uh, everything that we've heard is that you know, some, some wounds have been healed uh, between him and the organization, and obviously winning does that, and, uh, and being on a good line does that, and getting your stats up does that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, it, the, the contract's the contract, right? And, and the, the contract status is the contract status. And what's changed from last offseason is now he's a valuable commodity, I think, for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, last offseason there was a ton of questions about his health, his productivity, um, you know, the, the Kraken didn't even want him, you know, in the expansion draft. So it's, uh, it, it, it's one of those deals where, you know, maybe you, uh, you look to sell high on him in this offseason, even though um, there's obviously, you know, he plays a, a vital role on the team. Greg, it seems pretty clear here in St. Louis that there's mutual interest on the part of native St. Louis and Matthew Kachuk and the St. Louis Blues. Kachuk going to make $9 million. 
Tarasenko would play a big role in the Blues trying to get him. But we got to think about Calgary here. Will Calgary go down without a fight in terms of trying to keep Matthew Kachuk? Will they offer him a monster contract? Oh, of course they will. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, I, I think there is an expectation that Johnny Gaudreau uh, might be on his way out there. Um, they're going to fight to keep him, but, uh, but you know, there is, boy, you can count on one hand the number of franchise-level talents that have hit the open market. I think, you know, Tavares being one, uh, Brad Richards when he was at the, the, the peak of his powers being another, um, and, and we're talking like in the last, you know, 15 years, mm-hmm. how many have actually hit the open market. So the fact that Gaudreau could do so, I think, indicates that, you know, it's going to be really hard to retain his talents. So with that said, you know, Kachuk then becomes the, the next guy. I mean, I think he is a pillar of that franchise. They want to keep him around, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out um, because, yeah, there is the expectation that he would like to play in St. Louis or any number of other places and, and, and obviously, you know, is an extraordinarily valuable commodity to teams. Like, I, as a Devils fan, I would love for them to dangle the second overall pick for Kachuk. Wow. So I, think, I, think, I think you throw Kachuk on a line with Jack Hughes, you really got yourself something there. Yeah, uh, the- but, uh, but, you know, that's just conjecture. I, I don't think that's even been something that's been discussed. Well, the 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 Oilers were able to sign Drysaddle and McDavid with the new building. Doesn't appear that there's a new building on the horizon for Calgary. How much of a role does that play in them being able to keep players? Uh, I think it's separate. It's a separate issue. I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's not like it's not like they're the they're the uh, Arizona Coyotes playing in a you know college gymnasium for the next three years. Um, it's still a uh, it's still a building that you know drives revenue. And yeah, there's a certain amount of uncertainty there with the team and. And, and, you know, where they're going to end up playing and all that other jive. But, you know, I think when it comes to the, the team itself, its ability to win, all that other stuff, I think that's probably more paramount for, for Chuck than anything else. Uh, I want to look at someone else, Greg, that St. Louis probably doesn't want to talk about. But Nazem Kadri had an unbelievable season, 87 points. He's been an X factor despite being hurt and every round so far really in the playoffs. What's his offseason look like? What does the market look like from, for Nazem Kadri as he enters free agency? <laughs> Yeah, his offseason is lucrative, <laughs> for one thing. I mean, like, look, he he needed this uh, playoff run um, to, to show that he could do it without getting in trouble. I mean, and yeah, the, the Bennington thing, I think there's still some truthers out there that believe that it was on purpose and, and you know, maybe he should have been suspended for it and things of that nature. But he wasn't, he, he didn't receive a massive suspension for the first time in, in uh, you know, several postseasons and um, was a, not only that, but it was was a was an impact player for them. I mean, the the next game back against St. Louis will be remembered as a a pivot point for this team. Um, obviously, scoring the the overtime game winning goal in Game Four of the final. So, you know, he's come up in big moments. The the only two hesitations if you're if you're trying to get into the Nazem Kadri business this summer is one, his offensive year was sort of an anomalous to the rest of his offensive years in Colorado. And that could that could be him playing for a contract. That could just be how wacky it was offensively for everybody this season. Um, everybody's number is getting kind of inflated. The other thing is that he's a little old. I mean, he's, he's over 30. Um, he's not your 28-year-old USA like a lot of these guys are. So it kind of maybe changes the dynamic of how long you'd want to go on a contract with him. Um, and, and that could be the, ultimately the determining factor for NASM is, you know, who's willing to go – longest on a contract for me being that I'm not 
you know, um, maybe like three years older than most of the other UFAs that are going to be on the market. Greg Wyshynski has a great piece up at ESPN.com about our hometown hero, Pat Maroon. And, uh, Greg, we saw it here firsthand how important he was to a Stanley Cup championship team. And it's amazing how a guy who's not a big point guy, he's not a huge minute guy, but he's a, a room guy. It's amazing how important a guy like that can be to a championship team. Yeah, and so that's, I really enjoyed doing that story because I've been kind of fascinated by the whole Pat Maroon of it all <laughs> for the last couple of years. And um, the thing I came to find out was that, like, I, you know, I think there's a perception, um, and, and P- uh, Pierre Edouard, Edouard uh, Belmare on the uh, Lightning kind of indicated this too. There's a perception that he's just a class clown, you know, that he's just the guy that says the, the funny thing or does the funny thing or chirps the other team on the ice. And that's kind of his role is to keep things light. But what I found out in doing that story is that he's got this uncanny ability to be the guy that says the funny thing, but then also says the thing that, you know, stops everybody in their tracks and, and, or, or, or fires them up in, in a specific way in the locker room. He's got the ability to be Captain Sirius when he needs to be. Um, and it has the same sort of gravitas and it has the same sort of uh, attention getting as, as when he's the class clown. And that's, Someone, someone told me that that is a, 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 an extraordinarily rare trait to have where you can be the person who keeps it light, but also be the person that people respect enough to, uh, to listen to when you speak in a, in a key situation. That's the big rig. Absolutely, Greg. Well, final thing, we should probably end it on the Blues because, as we mentioned, it's an interesting offseason for them. But as the Blues try to keep this this potential championship window opening and get their second Stanley cup. Is there one move out there that you think that the blue should make? Well, I mean, they're going to have to figure out the goaltending thing, right? I mean, Bennington, you know, had uh, the Renaissance this year a little bit for them and that's good. But, uh, you know, Billy Huso is going to be on the open market. I think the expectation is that he's going to get a, con- get a contract somewhere from somebody looking to, uh, you know, acquire a, a potential starter. He- he's in your classic, like, backup quarterback did well now gets huge contract sort of situation like we see in the NFL all the time. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see who they pair with Jordan um, because I, I do think that they need to have like a one a uh, to really make that, that, that tandem effective. And, and, you know, maybe they find it internally, maybe they find it outside the organization, but that's kind of the, 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 the spot I'm, I'm interested in as far as everything else. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I think the trade market will be a possibility, and then obviously the, the free agent market can kind of get a little bit wacky uh, under a fl- what's essentially a, a flat cap, even though it's just jumping up a little bit, uh, like a million dollars. So we'll see what happens. It, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out for not only the Blues, but everybody else in that division this year. Greg Wyshynski, great material as always. We love your work at ESPN.com. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy game number five tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you again. Good talk to you. See you later. That is Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, the NBA draft was last night. How about that? Hmm. I wonder how many people in St. Louis watched the NBA draft last night. 
I saw some of it. I watched it. Yeah. What else are you going to watch? Cardinals had a day game. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah, there was no basketball. There was no, uh, obviously, no hockey. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a good thing to watch. All the suits, right? Great suits. Great fashions. Well, a lot of people were assuming that the Orlando Magic, with the number one overall pick, would pick Jabari Smith. But that's not how it played out. With the first pick in the 2022 NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select Paolo Bancaro from Duke University. You could hear the reaction of the crowd that the, the, the Magic picked Paolo Bancaro. And not only because most people assumed that it would be Jabari, but because, according to Shams and other sources, that the Orlando Magic did not even have a formal workout or meeting with Paolo Bancaro during the pre-draft process. That's something that I think I would want to have if I were bringing a player in and using that sort of asset, the number one pick in the draft, to get said player I hope they got it right, and sometimes it's a bad thing when you try to fool everybody, and that happens. When an ownership or a general manager tries to keep things away from the media, it's a bad thing. Can I give you a one-minute story here about owners that want to fool the media? I would love a one-minute story. So, after 1977, Don Coryell leaves the football Cardinals, and Bill Bidwill was going to hire another coach. The media got word of this other coach landing in St. Louis and had a photo of him in the Globe Democrat the next day. And Bill Bidwell didn't hire Bill Walsh. He instead surprised the media. They had no idea that Bud Wilkinson, Mm. 70-year-old Bud Wilkinson, was going to be the new head coach. Just because the media got the story, Bill Bidwell determined that he wasn't going to hire Bill Walsh because he wanted to surprise everybody. That doesn't seem like the right decision. No, and it kind of has that feel with the Orlando Magic, doesn't it? If you aren't going to interview a guy and the odds change dramatically on the last day before the draft, it seems like they just didn't want people to know. And it did send shockwaves throughout the Mm -hmm. draft and, and altered a lot of things, but... You know how important this pick is to the vitality of your franchise. And he was considered to be in the top three in those conversations. Why wouldn't you just bring him in for an interview? Right, exactly. That wouldn't have raised any red flags at all. Yeah, that's... If and I'm also, a, you are in the driver's yeah. seat. What does right. it matter? Yeah. I, if I'm a Magic fan, I find that troubling. Now, he's probably a great kid. Probably going to be a great player. But I would want to do all the due diligence I could on a first pick in the draft before selecting him. If I'm going to give somebody the keys to the kingdom, I'm going to make sure they know how to drive. Mm -hmm. Bingo, right. Yeah. Here's Paolo on becoming the first overall pick. Listen, I never in my life cried tears of joy, ever. Never have been so happy to where I cried, but I can't even keep it together barely right now, man. It's it's crazy, man. Like you said, going back to to them days, St. Louis, Lee 100, you know, just kept dreaming, you know, kept working. And (laughs) to be... To be here is crazy. I love that raw motion. That's one of the coolest things about any draft mm-hmm. is watching people's dreams realized in real time. It's so awesome. Yeah. And as John Denton told us yesterday, and John, by the way, covers the Cardinals now, covered the Magic for 24 years. Great point in their their selections with number one overalls, Shaq, Dwight Howard, and then took Weber, traded him for Penny. It's the other first-round draft choices that the Magic have had trouble with. But yeah. number one overall, they've done pretty well. And by the way, yesterday was straight up the... I mean, they drafted on June 23rd both Shaq and 
Um, Howard? And Howard. So, I mean, them them drafting guys bigger than 6'10 on uh, June 23rd seems to go pretty well for the franchise. Yeah. Well, here's P.J. Carlissimo, ESPN NBA analyst, talking about Paolo Bancaro going number one overall. I don't know. Not, not at all. A lot of people thought uh, through most of the year he, he was the odds-on guy to do it. Uh, it seemed through the process everybody felt it was going to be Jabari Smith. Really, Paolo and Jabari flipped one and three. Chet Holmgren, uh, people had him at two, earmarked there. Uh, as, as we talked about earlier, uh, really talented players, and wherever they ended up, teams are going to be happy. Yeah, I think so. I I, I wonder about the 195-pound seven-footer, and he's not going to wind up. Holmgren is not going to wind up being 195 pounds, but it seems like they could break like a twig. I I, think, I know, I'm I, concerned. Yeah, I, I think I would have been more inclined to go with Jabari at number two, but these teams allegedly know more than we do. Well, they they did These teams did take Markel Fultz over Tatum, though. And Lonzo Ball and over Lonzo Tatum. Ball, yeah. Yeah. And, so maybe they don't. And let's not forget, Lonzo Ball also over Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about the top five. So as we mentioned, Paolo Bancaro going first overall to the Orlando Magic. Chet Holmgren going number two to the Thunder. Jabari Smith going to the Houston Rockets. Keegan Murray going to the Sacramento Kings. And then Jaden Ivey rounding out the top five going to the, the Detroit Pistons. And we know his mother, Niel Ivey, coach at Notre Dame, who's from St. Louis. From St. Louis, exactly right. So excited to see Jaden Ivey get drafted in the top five as well. Yeah, and also uh, Chris Brown, and uh, where did he wind up going? Matthew? He went to the Denver Nuggets, maybe. Yeah, Chris oh, Brown, uh, Denver Nuggets. His mother, Lisa Sambodi, played at Missouri. His uncle, Mike Sambodi, a, a longtime Mizzou player and booster. So uh, a lot of local ties with the players that were selected and last night. Of course, night. EJ. We already talked EJ about him. Liddell, yep. EJ Liddell going to the New Orleans Pelicans slash future St. Louis Pelicans or St. Louis what are we going to rename them? I, I see I like the rhythm. Hashtag new sound in town. We'll come up with something good. We will. And uh, Kofi about, Coburn uh, not getting drafted by the way but getting an opportunity with the Jazz. Signed oh, by the Jazz. Good deal. How about uh, St. Louis BC? BC. Basketball club. No. No. We're going to go with a no on that one. Let me think of it. We're good with SC. Again I like the rhythm. I don't know the rhythm. I, th- I love sounds. it, Randy. I think it's perfect. It sounds like I can't not think of rhythmic gymnastics and someone okay. w- like flipping around with a ribbon. Then we again. I said this. I said this early in the week. We invade Utah and we take the Jazz name by force. No. By the way, Who's if you're going us? downtown this season, or excuse me, this weekend mm-hmm. for Cards Cubs, pop into the Blues Museum. I was there yesterday yeah. for a, a St. Louis Civic Pride Foundation board meeting, and I had never been there. Great, great museum that's right downtown, and you can go to Sugar Fire before the game, get a great bite, pop into the Blues Museum, learn about the musical history that has great roots in our city. There's a bunch of interactive um, exhibits that you can do. It's really cool. Okay, Michelle, so you've got the Blues in St. Louis. Yeah. You've got the Redbirds in St. Louis. That's right, we do. Your state bird is the Bluebird. The St. Louis Bluebird. Our state bird is the Bluebird. Yep. And then how did we end up the Cardinals? I'm guessing that we were the Cardinals before the state bird was the Bluebird. But then why wouldn't we have made the state bird the Cardinal? If the Cardinals were already in existence, why wouldn't we have made it? It just makes sense. The Kansas City thing. Two-pronger. One, as Mike Ryder just told me in my ear, Cardinal is the bird of Illinois. Oh, and two, Illinois. when they started calling them the Cardinals, it was not for the bird. It was for the color. Oh, ah. like Stanford. They, they came out, they changed their jerseys, and a, a fan commented, that's the most beautiful shade of Cardinal. 
Okay. And they ran with it a few years later, post uh, Perfectos. This change. is why Stanford is not the Cardinals, but yes, the Cardinal. Exactly. And by the way, there was another 30 second Randy story. Can we so, get a full minute? Stretch it out. Yeah, no, there's not much to it. So it was <laughs> the uh, Stanford Indians. And because of public and political pressure, they were changing their name. And they had a vote among the students should we be the Stanford Trees? Or should we be the Stanford Cardinal? Students voted for trees. That's why the tree they have yeah, the tree mascot, yeah, which is mascot. awesome. But Great the face. administration said, no, we aren't going to be the trees. Why? I don't know. But then they switched to Cardinal. Well, yeah. so clearly back in the day, we loved colors. The Browns, yeah, the Cardinal. Cardinal yeah, I right. mean, and socks. Yeah. Also birds. You, you said St. Louis Bluebirds. NFL has like four birds. Mm-hmm. Baseball has like three or four birds. There's no birds in the, in the NBA. It doesn't fit. Try this on for size, okay? Just... You know, don't say no right away. Just take a beat, let it marinate. The St. Louis Clydesdales. Interesting. Now, what is more majestic than a Clydesdale? I guarantee you, if we open up the text line to this, they'll be totally on board. Just bring back the greatest logo in the history of sports, the, the St. Spirits of St. Louis. Randy, that's my number one pick. I don't yeah. understand why we don't have an NBA team and why it's not the, the Spirits. It was so great. We can get Bob Costas back to call yep. the games. Great I idea. think he'd be totally on board. Uh, can you imagine the players coming out in floor-length fur coats like Marvin Bagley? It would be sick. It would be great. Marvin Barnes. Marvin Barnes, and excuse me. That, yes, thank you for that. But you get Mike D'Antoni back in the NBA by hiring him to be the head coach because he was a St. Louis Spirit. By the way, circle, from baby. the 618, Atlanta Hawks, New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, yeah. There are two birds. There are two birds. I forgot about the Hawks. And yeah, yeah, I thought the you were a basketball too. guy. Come on. I completely blanked on those two. That was hard. That was bad. It happens. You're killing me, Smalls. I think we're done here. All right. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. That was for myself. Uh, we're going to head down the stretch. We've got some uh, info for you for the weekend coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, a couple of things as we head down the stretch. Number one, our friend Donnie Fandango, nicest guy in our building, right? He's unbelievable. He's awesome. What a great guy. And every year he does a radiothon on 105.7 The Point to benefit Ronald McDonald House. It's going on right now, and you can either call 314-624-DUDE or 618-398-DUDE. You can get those numbers at 1057thepoint.com. But Donnie does great work in our community for a lot of organizations. And this Radiothon for the Ronald McDonald House, he does it every year. It's fantastic. And if you can and have the wherewithal to contribute, we'd love to have you do so. Yeah, please help us support Donnie Fandango. And by proxy, the Ronald McDonald House, it's such a, a great thing that he does every year. And if you can, please help us help Donnie. And you can also help... Mizzou Athletics by getting involved and learning about NIL. And I was talking to some of the coaches the other day, and I said, what can we do to to get people educated about this? And they said, well, just go to the website, advancingmo.com, advancingmo.com, because we don't know everything there is to know about NIL, so I don't expect fans to. But you can learn a lot about what they're doing at Mizzou and how, if you desire to help, you can kind of have skin in the game if you get involved with name, image, likeness. And the website there, Michelle, is advancingmo.com. And you have a giveaway going on on the uh, the Insta page, right, at M. Smallman? Yeah, it ends today at 5 p.m. If you go to at M. Smallman, that's S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N, I have a, a reel up. All you need to do is 
follow Palm Health and follow uh, Book with Disco, and you could win a day pass to Palm Health. You could do cryo, you could do an infrared sauna, mm. a, a Himalayan salt room, just a day of relaxation and detoxing. And if that's not your jam, you should also uh, enter anyway because you could give it away to somebody else as a gift, which there is a great go. gift to somebody. Just follow Michelle on the Insta or on the Twitter at M Smallman. I'm at RJ Carricker on the Insta and Randy Carricker on the Twitter. If you wanted to hop on the socials during the course of the weekend, we'll be uh, delivering great content. Now, speaking of content, Randy, I need to know how you're going to respond. Randy MC has been the force in the St. Louis rap mm-hmm. game for a long time now. And we found out that our very own Andrew Marsh, a.k.a. Marshy Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, is also a rapper. And it's been discovered. The beats have been put out there. And I just want to know if you're going to have a song in response to Marshy Marsh being uncovered. I am. I'm an old head, but I still got game. <laughs> I think we need to whip up a little beat for you. This is like NSFW. What are we doing here? I can't believe that we're playing this on the radio. Why are the lights going down low? Marshy Marsh. Genuine would have been in trouble had he put this out. I tell you, he would have been in trouble. Late, take it or leave it. Marshy Marsh is the new Drake. Listen to this. This sounds like Marvin's room. It sounds like a low-budget Marvin's room. No disrespect, but... Yeah, bo- your body gets up high. Marcy needs to get that uh, I Love a, Doris Burke t-shirt. This is a drug-free zone, sir. Yeah. We're not allowed to do drugs yeah. at work. Your body can't get someone high. Come on. That's right. Tonight, Andre Pallante goes for the Cardinals against Kyle Hendricks at the ballpark. Cubs in town for the first of three at 7.15. Michelle, next Tuesday, in addition to the Cardinals and the Marlins playing, and by the way, it'll be Andre Pal- or that's a Wednesday game, uh, Pallante against Alcantara. The Tuesday game, though, has one of the great names for players or people in the organization that bring kids to the game. Uh, next Tuesday night is Bader Tots game. Awesome. And uh, Harrison will have a group from the Lift for Life gym in town for, or in at the ballpark for the game. Great name, Bader Tots. Yeah. What's Dan's, Dan's got a kid's group. Danny's, uh, uh, Dan's probably listening. He could text, I forgot. Danny Mac? Yeah. Oh, we need to know the name so we can shout it out. Yeah. I feel bad that I don't remember it. It rhymes with Danny Mac or something. Danny Max. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm 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 coming up, I'm coming up short, Randy. I can't think I'm, of anything that rhymes with that. I can't. It might think be of obvious too, and we're missing it. Yeah, it is. So I feel bad. <laughs> I'm going but anyway, to the Dan, alphabet. Dan for years has purchased numerous tickets for kids to Cardinal games throughout the course of the year. That's very cool and very generous. Yeah, of he's, he's a, a quality individual, and he'll have the action tonight on Ballet Sports. All right, you have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. I look Thanks. forward to hearing uh, your flow next week. Oh, we, yeah, we'll have it ready. Between uh, the Muni and uh, Josh Groban this weekend, we're just going to have excitement galore at the Character household. Pulling inspiration from all musical genres. Yeah, that's the way it's going to work. Great job today by, by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And uh, Michelle, we will see you on Monday at Whitmore for the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament. I will see you there, and I'm sure you'll be participating too, right? I will be after the uh, show is over. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Our friends T-Mac and Ajax have a balloon party coming up. And until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.